PlayStation continues to bring some of its biggest titles to PC as it recently announced plans to bring Horizon Forbidden West to PC in early 2024. The point of debate and the discussion that has sort of followed that announcement is how quickly should they be bringing games to PC? The current trend is somewhere around two years or slightly longer. Some titles obviously took much longer than that because they had not yet even decided to bring games to PC so some of the earliest ports had a longer window of time. I am a own thoughts about the sweet spot the greatest i think length of time that they should wait before bringing a playstation game to pc we even have an interview with herman holst where he indicates their willingness to maybe even bring games to pc faster if it's possible so i'm going to look at the details surrounding horizon forbidden west coming to pc but also ask the question when are the rest of the games going to show up there are still some missing what will the timing look like why are they being so quiet is it just more playstation marketing where they just won't say anything until they're much closer i also want to consider cadence and timing because we're not really sure what their plan is do they have a specific timeline for every game or is it just sort of when it happens now i put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video it's a longer video because it's a live stream but i open it up with a monologue set the stage and then i discuss it with the live audience so if you like this kind of content be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss out on these shows So, how fast should PlayStation bring first-party titles to PC? Some would say never, and they think that PlayStation should ignore the PC platform altogether. I don't agree with this outlook at all, and I have my own thoughts and opinions on how PlayStation games should be landing on PC. But with the recent announcement of Horizon Forbidden West coming to PC in early 2024, many are now guessing that we might know the window of time for PC ports going forward. This does ignore a couple that we are still waiting on, but it does seem on the surface that we might have a predictable pattern emerging. So first, I want to look at the details of Horizon Forbidden West coming to PC and even speculate as to why it seems to be coming slower. This one, at least from where I sit, seems to be coming slower than expected. But some players feel that this is quite fast. Some of this, I think, is hard to measure because a lot of the PS5 owners just got their PS5 as production continues to ramp up to higher levels in the first couple of years. Many feel like, well, Horizon Forbidden West just came out because, well, they just finally got to play it on their PlayStation 5. Every time there was a PlayStation 5 restock, there was a big surge in first-party game sales. So many people are seeing these games coming to PC on an adjusted timeline, if that makes sense. They're not really thinking about it in relation to the official release date of the game, but when they were finally able to play it. Secondly, I want to ask the question, where are the rest? There are certainly games where there we're still waiting on them they have yet to come to pc and some might say it's been too long or that well maybe demand is not high enough but given that sackboy was ported to pc i don't see why we would skip the three games that i'm going to talk about lastly i want to talk about cadence and timing i want to highlight what i think is the sweet spot and why i also think things are going to change once there are more playstation 5s in circulation that will have an effect on the initial launch week and the month with respect to sales we also have herman holst's commentary and with the potential shift in leadership in the wake of jim ryan retiring holst may get his way if we are in fact express expressing something i think maybe he was wanting it to happen when he did that interview that could be something that he pushes for i will also consider if we have maybe is there a deducible pattern because it's an evolving strategy as far as i can tell now before we look at the horizon forbidden west 
details. Earlier this year, I did a stream that I said, listen, I think we might be getting more PS5 games on PC this year. There was a live action trailer, and I theorized that it might be hinting at things that would be coming in 2023. Now, funny enough, in that stream, I thought that Ratchet and Clank coming to PC would not be happening anytime soon, right? I got that way wrong. That was a surprise earlier this year. My theory could, however, have been close to something, and that was, here are all the games that are already out, and we're going to be doing something with them in the near future, right? The tie-in would be, well, where are the rest of the PC ports. If you think about it, when you watch that trailer, everybody kind of got a little something this year. Not every single game, but, you know, Returnal came to PC, Horizon got DLC, but then there's games like God of War Ragnarok in there, and I don't think we're going to see that coming to PC before Horizon Forbidden West. Because there's one particular one that I think may show up in a surprise way, though, the way that Ratchet did. That one kind of came out of nowhere, and we had a very short marketing window that I will talk about in a moment. But, One of the games we're waiting on may also be tied to its sequel. So first, I just want to look at Horizon Forbidden West coming to PC, okay? Because there was a lot of speculation about when this game would finally come to PC because we had already had the first one. Are we going to wait a year? Are we going to wait two years? And in a PlayStation blog titled Horizon Forbidden West Complete Edition is coming to PS5 and PC. Now, PlayStation outlined the upcoming Complete Edition of the game as well as the news that it will be coming to PC. And now, when the news first broke that we were going to be getting a Complete Edition coming to PS5 only, my theory was I thought they would be giving the Burning Shores treatment to the base game. If you look at Burning Shores, there was clearly a graphical uptick for it, and since they couldn't get that to run on the PS4, I thought, okay, well, the complete edition, maybe they'll do that in the base game, the vanilla sort of base PlayStation 5 version of Horizon Forbidden West. Now, I see no indication of that in the blog, so my theory is likely not coming to fruition. The blog says the following. In this complete edition, or complete collection, with Horizon Forbidden West and Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores DLC, take one more uh, awe-inspiring machines, take on new tribes, and travel to Los Angeles. So essentially what they're saying is, this is just the game with the DLC. There's no mention of anything with graphics. So, little disappointing. I thought maybe they could do some kind of an uptick. I mean, let's 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 be fair here. Horizon Forbidden West is already beautiful. It's already a great-looking game. The Decima engine's really putting in work, but they are not going to be doing anything to uh, the base game. The other great thing to mention is it's only 60 US dollars. So that is the full game. That is the DLC. You get a digital soundtrack, a digital art book. You get Horizon Zero Dawn Volume 1, the Sunhawk digital comic book. You get in-game items. Uh, you get, you know, a resource pack. You get an Apex Claw Strider machine strike piece. Like, there's all these things, okay, that you're going to be able to get for 60 bucks. That's not a bad deal, especially for anybody who hasn't gotten the game yet. You could be one of those folks just waiting on a PlayStation 5, and when you finally get a PlayStation 5, you finally come back through the backlog of first-party titles that you might have been waiting on, and you'll be able to get a really great deal on Horizon. So even without my theory coming true about the graphical uptick in Burning Shores coming to the rest of the game. The base game already looks incredible and you can get, you know, a really nice deal here. The Decima engine is actually one of the engines that I hope more studios start using if you just look at the the way that they're able to seamlessly go through combat but also just the world, the lighting, the foliage, the the, the machines. There's a lot I think here that shows you could really do some great games I think with this engine. Now they end the blog by saying and they mention the PC release. They say PC gamers, you will not have to wait long in partnership with Nixus Software, Horizon Forbidden West Complete Edition is coming to Steam and Epic 
games in early 2024 you can wishlist now they provide links to the epic store and the steam store pages for the game they're already set up and ready to go digital foundry uh alex from digital foundry celebrated this he was like this is going to be basically great you know having nixus work on this game it's decima it's a beautiful game it's you know and his minus is going to be incredible on pc so if it lands in the first quarter which early 2024 pretty much indicates first quarter in my mind we're looking at a two-year turnaround to bring this game to pc now at some level this feels like horizon forbidden west is cutting in line so i have to ask the question where are the rest of the games right there are three games that i want to talk about in this section one of them i admit is is not going to come before horizon forbidden west at least doesn't seem that way but one of them we know is likely coming it won't happen before and i'm imagining unless they blow our minds this holiday that's one you're going to wait a little bit longer on but there are two that i hope come to pc sooner than later and one of them i understand why we haven't seen it yet but the other one that i'm really confused by is ghost of tsushima i think i know why we're waiting but just so just for some context on timing ghost of tsushima released in july of 2020 so if it isn't a surprise this year the way that ratchet was a surprise we're looking at a minimum of a four-year wait like even if it comes in the middle of next year you know, in the summer or something, that's, you know, that's a four-year wait. If it's landing in 2020 at all, 2024 at all, I mean, we don't really know. The one thing that may have pushed back the clock on Ghost of Tsushima is the director's cut released in August of 2021. So that's, you know, three years later. So if it comes out in 2024, that's a three-year window. In some ways, that may have reset the clock on bringing the game to PC. Another thing to consider is they may want to announce Ghost of Tsushima 2 first. They announced God of War Ragnarok first, and then the PC port happened later. So I could be convinced that the director's cut pushed things back with Tsushima, like the timeline's not as going to be as fast. I could also be convinced that it's tied to a sequel announcement. It also feels like Sony doesn't really like announcing anything too far ahead anymore ratchet and clank came to pc and that was a surprise the marketing window for that was so small they announced ratchet and clank coming to pc at the end of may and then it came to pc end of july so that was like two months so something like ghost of tsushima could get announced on pc literally two months before it happens like we don't have any indication that they're announcing these things far in advance anymore they seem to be shrinking their marketing windows down quite a bit people aren't happy about that they felt like the showcase and the recent state of play it's just stuff that we already knew was coming or it's stuff that you know isn't as exciting or maybe they want to hear from the first party studios now the other game that i'm really curious about coming to pc is the last of us part two the last of us part one on steam currently has an 88 in the last 30 days which so that means thankfully it seems they have fixed the most glaring issues with that port and the people that are playing the port in the last 30 days are enjoying it but this is just another unnecessary lesson in bringing a game too early to market before it is ready the reason i say unnecessary lesson is this isn't new information okay these companies know better and pushing a game out before it is ready is a waste of time and it betrays consumer confidence and people just end up refunding the game Bad review scores on Steam are very difficult to shake. The Last of Us Part 1 still has a total score of 62%. The 88% is only within the last 30 days. So when you look at the total score, 62% is pretty terrible. Now, this might make them wait a while before they do anything with The Last of Us on PC. With enough time, the Part 1 port 
could get a respectable score, but it currently has 22,000 total reviews, so that will not be a quick process. The last game I do want to consider, so I think Ghost of Tsushima's release date on PC and announcement is likely tied to the sequel, and they're holding that back. We have no idea what timing is right now. We have no idea how long Sucker Punch has even been working on it. Uh, And then we have The Last of Us Part 2. Again, that timing could have gotten pushed back because of stuff with factions. Maybe they don't want to talk about The Last of Us 2 because factions could potentially be totally canceled. If not, it has been delayed and pushed back and put on hold. And then there was the really bad port of The Last of Us on PC. So it might not be the best time to talk about The Last of Us. The last game to consider is God of War Ragnarok. I had previously stated that this was a game that I could see coming to PC faster than any other PlayStation game for a couple of reasons. When they brought God of War 2018 to PC, one of the devs said in an interview they had learned lessons in doing that and they made pipeline changes to God of War Ragnarok, the sort of development of it. This would make it seem in my mind that that would let them do it faster. They had learned some lessons and made adjustments to the next game. God of War 2018 also seems to be one of, if not, you know, the most successful PC port that they have done. It's had the highest player count on Steam charts. It has the most reviews. Horizon Zero Dawn uh, has the same amount of reviews, and it's been on Steam for a year and a half longer. Now, I'm seeing conflicting reports about sales figures, but I couldn't find anything concrete. In the middle of 2022, it looked like God of War was going to sort of chase down Horizon Zero Dawn long term. Zero Dawn did very well on PC. It was also one of the first, so I think it had a distinct advantage. It was one of the earlier ports. Now there's a, you know, a deducible pattern. Maybe people are going to be less likely to say, yeah, let's make sure and buy those PlayStation games as soon as they come out on PC. Demand on PC for PlayStation games could be trending down because everybody knows they're just going to get there eventually. I suppose it is still possible that Ragnarok lands before Horizon Forbidden West. They could announce a port in October. We're in October right now, and then it could land in December. The way they did the Ratchet and Clank port, they could surprise us because there was no DLC for God of War Ragnarok they had no plans to add anything so that likely pushed Horizon Forbidden West back right like they push it back it's like well we we've got to work on burning shores and that kind of delays the timeline of when they can bring the whole package to PC I just don't see any indication of Ragnarok coming any earlier they could have gotten started on the Ragnarok port faster since there was no DLC and there are rumors about a God of War Ragnarok DLC but I think that's far more likely to be a standalone game like a $40 spinoff with Atreus. I think that's probably most likely the outcome there. Ultimately, this leads to my thoughts on timing and cadence, because this becomes a hot debate, and I'm kind of confused as to why. I've always maintained that if they can do it well, if they can actually have a port that's at quality, do it every 18 months. I think 18 months waiting is the sweet spot. You let the game sell well for an entire year, and then you put it on PS Plus for a month or two and then once you hit the 18 month mark right so at a year it hits ps plus at a year and a half you bring it to pc you would maximize sales you'd maintain an entire year of console demand it motivates people to get the console but then a year and a half later there's other first party titles that are doing that there's other first party titles that have picked up the mantle every year you should have at least two i would think 
big first party titles hitting whether it's Spider-Man or even Final Fantasy 16 sort of feels like a first party title as long as you have two a year you don't need to be maintaining like well we can't put God of War we can't put that game on PC we got to keep those to maintain demand of the console a year and a half later there should be something else doing that there should be another game convincing people to buy a PlayStation 5 now I had a discussion about this with somebody and he felt that three years was the ideal. Make people wait three years for a game. So Spider-Man's coming out in 2023. In his mind, bring it to PC in 2026. That just feels like an eternity to me. In the realm of video games, especially when a year is as jam-packed full as 2023, if future years even come close to the cadence that we've seen in 2023, there doesn't seem like a good reason to wait that long. My pushback has been look, the PlayStation 5 is selling well already, and it's my belief that PC users are willing to wait one and a half to two years for a game to come to PC. If they're willing to wait for that amount of time, they're not going to be buying a PS5. In other words, being concerned about PlayStation games coming to PC and that hurting PlayStation console demand, that doesn't seem to be substantiated. From where I sit, large portions of the PC user base simply refuse to leave behind Steam. They don't want a console. Then there was the interview with Herman Holst where he indicated that the earliest we would see a game port to PC would be 12 months after release. Perhaps he was speaking very generally. Maybe he did not have a game in mind. But I want to push back on the notion that PlayStation games should not come to PC, right? There are people arguing that it should be day and date. I think that's another extreme position that doesn't make any sense in light of maintaining console demand, right? That's Nobody else is doing that other than Xbox, but Nintendo and PlayStation can't have their games available on other platforms day and date because it would hurt their business model, okay? I think some people like the business model of Xbox and they think it's a one-size-fits-all model. Everybody should do it that way. I think the other extreme... You know, you got the people saying it should be on there day and date. But then the other stream is people are like, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't put PlayStation games on PC. Now, I've spoken about this in the past, and I did not convey my thoughts as clearly as I wanted. Some felt that I was saying PC gamers should not get PlayStation games. They should just buy a PS5. Now, at the time, I was pushing back on the notion that people were saying it's taking too long. They're like, it's taking too long. Bring these games faster to PC. And I was like, look, if you really want the games, then buy a PlayStation 5. If not, you have to wait, right? And if you want a good port, I don't think waiting is a bad idea. Like, PlayStation gamers, I'm sorry, PC gamers this year especially, have gotten a pretty raw deal with PC ports. There's not a great, you know, cadence here. Jedi Survivor is still in terrible shape. There was The Last of Us PC port. There was Remnant 2. There was a variety of games that came out this year that were struggling on PC with performance. And so pushing for PlayStation games to get ported faster seems antithetical to wanting good ports. So at the time... I was saying, look, you gotta wait, and if you don't want to wait, you know, then then buy a PlayStation 5. My pushback has always been, if your PC is in more of the middle of the road on power, we can look at the statistics on Steam and see that the vast majority of people who own PCs for, for gaming do not have top-shelf, top-of-the-line rigs, and it's like, well, if your PC's more in the middle of the road, you're gonna play PlayStation games generally at the performance that they get on a PS5, if that makes sense. Like, if you don't have a top-of-the-line 30 or 40 series card, if you're one of the people like me, you have a 20 series card, you're more in the middle of the road or lower than that, 
you're waiting a really long time to play a PlayStation game at the same or maybe even slightly inferior performance. So my contention has always been it's such a bargain, you know, instead of upgrading your rig and spending, you know, a thousand dollars or more to upgrade pieces and parts, you could buy a digital PS5. But to me, it doesn't matter where you play. You just have to understand why a game might come to PC later. There's commercial reasons. There's economic reasons. There's even strategic reasons. There's just logistical reasons. They've got to have a company port the game. They've got companies like Nixus that are really good at it, and it takes time. So folks that were pushing for day and day release, I don't think that's happening anytime in the near future. But the opposing view, the extreme view that PlayStation games should never come to PC. I think this is a more extreme brand loyal position and I don't support this position and here's why. As the line between console and the console power and sort of middle of the road PCs, as that line gets closer together, it makes sense to put games on the PC. The reason I say middle of the road PC is because as I said, middle of the road PCs and down, they make up the vast majority of the PC gaming audience. And if you look at hardware saturation in Steam, it's clear that that's the largest portion of people who will be buying a game on Steam. So it just makes good business sense. If the average PC gamer is going to play a PlayStation 5 port and have very similar experience to what console owners experienced, then everyone up from there can even turn on higher settings, higher resolution, better textures, better ray tracing, right? The consoles don't even use the full suite of the ray tracing uh, abilities. So the reason I argue this from a business angle is because I'm saying, listen, let, we want to see them make as much money as possible on a piece of property. Because if you like PlayStation, and if you like PlayStation first-party titles, you should want them to make as much money as possible. Obviously not at the loss of like trust or ethics, but you want them to make as much money as possible. If they can take a really successful piece of property, put it on PC, and make more money on it, make a bunch more money... That's going to help fund future projects. That's going to help with investment. That's going to help with studio growth. That strengthens their portfolio. Because the more valuable the property becomes, the more executives at high levels, they're going to support future endeavors. They're going to say, oh, wow, Horizon and God of War and Spider-Man, these franchises are strong. They're in multiple places, and they're doing well. The brand loyalists who hate PlayStation games coming to PC, they just don't make any sense to me. Now, obviously, the question about day and date releases also comes up in this debate because people push back and say it should be day and date. Will there ever be a time where we see like a future God of War landing on PlayStation and PC at the same time? I honestly don't think so. It's hard to predict the future because tech changes so rapidly so I think it's getting even harder to kind of see where things are going but day and date feels like a direct threat to the business model that they continue to utilize I could see the window getting smaller if they get better at porting because you know 12 months was what Herman Hulse said in an interview he said well that's the earliest you might see it happen but the demand and the level of purchase on PC I think would have to exceed what they would lose in console demand as well as what they would lose with consumer perception. The minute you start launching on console and PC day and date, consumer perception will change, if even slightly. Over time, that damage could result in less console demand. Less brand loyalty, right? So the level of day one or week one purchases on PC would have to be strong enough and high enough to take that risk. Which is why for now, I don't see that happening 
Their current strategy may result over time in a very large and a very loyal base on the PC landscape. But until that happens, I think the current trend will continue. So for now, just like everything with gaming and like everything with PlayStation, we have to wait. And it seems like if you're going to play PlayStation games on PC, the pattern will hold for the foreseeable future. But the saying holds true, especially for video games and even more for PC ports. Good things come to those who wait. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions here. Horizon Forbidden West coming to PC is not surprising, honestly. It certainly resurfaces a lot of questions about timing and cadence, as well as just certain games that haven't shown up yet, right? I didn't even want to get started on Bloodborne coming to PC because that one always gets thrown in the mix because that one's likely tied up to the remaster or the remake, whatever they're calling it, and whenever they decide to launch that. But Ghost of Tsushima does seem to be like an easy win on PC. The sequel, as I said, is likely playing a role, which means PC gamers will just have to be with satisfied with more Aloy for now, which I think they will be. I think PC gamers like... The, the, the Horizon brand. I think people like on PC like the Decima engine. They've gotten to do some pretty cool things with DLSS in Death Stranding. So very interested to see where this port lands when Digital Foundry, you know, Foundry uh, gets to break it down. So the second thing I want to say is the discussion and the debate about timing of PlayStation games coming to PC. I think it's an interesting one because like everything, there seems to be a spectrum. On one side, you have those who think that if it's not day and date on PC some egregious error has been made. Like, that's just stupid. I can't believe they don't do that, right? And then all the way on the other side of the spectrum, you have the really hardcore brand loyalists who think that putting PlayStation games on PC is like an offense to their sense of brand loyalty. And then there's everything in between, okay? There's the people that are like, it should be one year, it should be two years or three years. My hope for games and studios is that they make as much money as they can, as long as they're doing it honestly and ethically and in an upstanding way. I want them to make as much money as possible. Because, and I think, listen, if putting games on PC helps with that, then I'm all for it. Now, some may ask, why not just make everything multi-platform then, right? Applying my logic, they would say that. They would say, well, wouldn't it make sense then to put Horizon Forbidden West everywhere, put it on Xbox, try to put it on Nintendo Switch, which that might be possible with the new Nintendo from everything we're hearing, but the question about why not just put the game everywhere, we all know that that would be detrimental to brand identity, which is why PC is such a smart move. Putting a game on PC does not dilute brand identity because PC is not a brand like I know Steam is you know you got Valve you know behind Steam and everybody loves Valve historically and they're kind of synonymous with PC gaming but it's not your direct competitor if Horizon Forbidden West came to PC two years later and also to Xbox two years later over time that erodes the brand identity it's no longer a PlayStation game it's kind of a game that's everywhere if you wait long enough. And I don't think any brand wants to do that with their first-party franchises. We already know that the next Elder Scrolls is planned to skip PlayStation, so this isn't going away anytime soon. These companies are going to leverage their first-party property, even if it lands on PC later or day and date, as is the case with Xbox. That doesn't mean you're going to see games like going everywhere after enough time has passed. Even though people might think there's strong economic reasons to do that, it'd be antithetical to some of the business models, and it would actually then hurt 
the soundness of the brand and the economics long term because you would dilute what people love about your brand they would feel like well your games are now everywhere it doesn't really matter where I play or what console I buy and brands don't want to do that they don't want to sort of erode their demand in the market so my conclusion is this PlayStation's approach to PC ports will likely follow suit with their marketing, right? Their marketing right now, or they're not telling us anything, right? It's tough to predict anything right now. They're keeping really quiet. They're keeping a lot of cards close to their chest. You know, they've got 20 to 23 studios, and they're just not saying a word. Possibly some of the delays, some of the moves and the adjustments to some of the timing here could be related to Jim Ryan retiring. They may want to have a show of force after he leaves and 2024 game announcements and 2024 game releases may help with that we know they internally delayed some games that could be related to it it's like listen we're going to end the year strong with spidey jim ryan's going to step away we're going to need a show of force in 2024 for people to be like okay the brand is all right right We, we our ceo is now different and that can cause some disruption in stockholder, shareholder, market, consumer. All the confidence levels across the board can be a little shaken when you get a new CEO. But historically speaking, the CEOs in his position, there was literally five years and the next guy five years and they had an interim for two years. And now Jim Ryan made it five years as well. So the pattern seems to be guys in this position put in about five years and they bail. It's like it rings it, it like kind of rings them out like a rag and they're like, I'm out of here. I've, I've made enough money. And uh, I don't want to do this anymore because they're traveling all the time. So from where I sit, PC ports will continue. Even if they don't happen faster than two years, the fact of the matter is they're still coming. So the question about PlayStation PC ports is to me, it's no longer a question of if it continues to happen or why is it continuing to happen. It's only a question of when it happens. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. Make sure you have pressed the like button. I had a smudge on my glasses that entire time. It was so frustrating. I was like, I always clean my glasses before I go live. And I must have done something like when I was reaching behind the monitors to adjust the camera. I must have bumped uh, just a teeny little smudge. It was driving me nuts during the show open. Thank you guys so much uh, for supporting the channel, being here on a Monday. Make sure you go through your daily ritual. Smash that like button and get us to 200 likes. There's already over 500 people here. I want to know what you guys think about this. Where are you on the spectrum of PC games or I'm sorry, PlayStation games coming to PC? Do you think it should be faster? Slower? Do you think it should happen at all? DK Baker says, I tell you what, I'm going to be the first person coming in and starting off the member goal for the day that is the first one there let's pop this one up and that's first one and another one from john always thank you so much john always it is october it is october and so what we're going to be doing this month and joker quinn hits four months and it's a vip we're going to be doing some fright nights with madam on friday nights but we need you guys to hit those goals if you want to unlock some of those things we always do the friday night streams with madam but there's some fun things that we do in addition so we do some extra stuff if we hit some of those goals so thank you guys so much for helping us with that eugene says no sooner than 18 most likely two to three years yeah i'm really interested as to why herman holst said you the, the fastest you could see it is a year the fastest you could see like a big first party title coming to PC from PlayStation would be one year. I'm like, okay, did he have a game in mind or was he just sort of saying 
the craziest, most fastest circumstances could be maybe a year. Was was he giving a specific example? Like, or I'm sorry, did he have a specific example in his mind? That would be the question that I have. Uh, why do consoles exist in the first place? You seem intelligent. What's somebody saying about consoles not existing? Lobo's responding to somebody. Hang on, I want to see what is said. I wish I could click on a name in chat and and find what they previously said. Soul Train comes back in. Got that red badge and a member plus. Thank you so much. Depending on how much Sony is expanding the port people in their company. Uh, Lance says, as a longtime PlayStation player, I'm of two minds for PC ports being released sooner. I mainly want those ports to be good because it supports the platform as a whole. And if that means delaying PC releases to ensure it, so be it. I just don't want them artificially delaying it to prop up the console itself. That just doesn't seem it would degrade their growing relationship with the PC crowd. Maybe not now because they are still young in the market, but it will wear on it. I think that's well stated that over time, the PC audience might be like, why are you waiting this long? Like, why is it taking this long for these games to come to PC? Uh, more gamers playing your games overall means better products in the future. I mean, maybe, maybe, as you said, they need to be able to do it at quality. If they can't do it at quality, it's going to be damaging to the relationship and the trust. So they can't just shove it out and be like, yep, we're doing a faster cadence to PC. And everyone's like, yeah, this is freaking terrible, right? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't good. This is a bad product. Like what they did with the last of us. Solemn says, when you push console only games, it forces some of the PC crowd to buy your console to play those great games, which leads to accessories and sales on their platform with no splits. They don't need to release on PC if they don't want to. I would imagine they're releasing on PC because they see economic reason to do so. And they would only start doing it faster then, you know, a year and a half to two years, they would only start doing it faster than that, again, if they saw economic reason to do so. Companies of this size are going to weigh everything. It's like, well, if we do it too early on PC, is that going to hurt demand for the console? Is that going to affect consumer perception of, well, I don't really need a PS5, I'll just play it on PC. Not only that, you have to think about your existing customers. You have existing customers that bought a PlayStation 5. They sort of bought into the brand. They bought into the idea. And if they start feeling like, now wait a minute, you, you guys are taking all these great games and you're putting them on PC the exact same day. Another gifted member comes in from Joker Quinn. Thank you so much. You guys are starting the week strong. Every 25 members, I give five back to you guys. So thank you guys so much for pushing that number today. The PC audience isn't that valuable to them. Anyone who goes to PC uh, is a net loss. I'm not sure what you mean. What do you mean anybody who goes to PCs and net loss? Dirge renews the membership and it's a VIP. Thank you for doing that, Dirge. I'm going to be blunt. It's certainly not helped consumer perception of the Xbox hardware. What do you mean? Do you mean, are you, are you saying Xbox doing day and date has hurt consumer perception? I, I've consistently said that if PlayStation did day and date with their big releases, that would be one of the things they would lose. The consumer perception would be, what's the point? You're no longer PlayStation. You're you're like a you're like a, a hybrid. And then further on down the line, you, it's not even like an immediate thing. Like let's say that they launched Spider-Man Two on PC and the PlayStation. Let's just say that happened. It wouldn't be immediate. It wouldn't be. People would not immediately be like, well, you know, demand for the PS5 has plummeted. But over time, it would make your brand feel less in 
demand because if every single one of your big releases also lands on PC, well then, more and more people are going to say over time, I was considering getting a PS5, but I have a PC that's strong enough. Like, I don't really need it. So I think over time you would erode at the strength of your demand, right? I don't necessarily think you you would see it immediately. It would probably take a couple of years. It's not like a light switch where, oh my gosh, Spider-Man 2 is multi-platform. Why are we talking about Xbox? We're not talking about Xbox. Somebody referenced that that's how they do it. Like, if you look at the market... Not surprising you latched onto that. Uh, but if you look at the market, there's another platform that does day and date on PC. And there's been pressure for PlayStation to do the same thing. And I'm saying, I don't think that would be a good idea. I think that would be bad for them to to do day and date. And it, honestly, if you think about it, especially with the PS5 Pro allegedly coming, if you think about the performance and the way that these games look and how they run... Right now, especially when like the PS5 Pro comes out, the PS5 Pro could arguably look more impressive than most of the PCs that are out there. And when I say that, what I mean is if you look at the Steam reports, so many people are in the lower hemisphere of the PC power threshold, right? Like the, the, the PC power threshold, most of the user base is not up at the top with 40 series cards and 30 series cards, right? So if the lion's share of the PC user base sees a PS5 Pro come out, and let's say it's, I don't know, 600 bucks, and they're seeing games showcased on that, and then they sort of turn and they look at their, their PC, and they're like, well, if I want that level of performance, if I want games to look that good, I'm going to have to upgrade my PC. And they're going to weigh the difference between a $600 console and the cost to upgrade their hardware. Now, a lot of PC user base users will never make this consideration. They'll say, I don't want to give up mouse and keyboard. I don't like console. I don't want to leave Steam behind. I don't want to pay to use the internet, right? I already pay for my internet. So there's a portion of the PC user base you're never going to get. But I do think the more console power can come up here and hover in like the mid-range PC gaming power threshold, the more winsome the box looks to people. It's like, well, six, five or six hundred bucks, and I can get something that's stronger than my PC is right now. Because again, I'm talking about the people in the PC gaming market that don't have really strong rigs. The people that have really strong rigs, they're never going to consider a console. That's not even in their purview, right? They're counting their frames, they're overclocking right they've got msi afterburner said exactly how it needs to be like they are absolutely dialed in to pc they're never going to consider a console i'm talking about the rest the mass vast majority of people in the pc gaming space have mid-range rig power and down so yeah that's why it makes sense to bring games to pc because you can bring a playstation 5 game over to pc and most people are going to have a great experience with it they're gonna be like yeah this looks this looks pretty good the the question would be is over time and this this again is is pushing against the notion of oh they should release day and date on pc and i'm like i don't think so you want to maintain that console demand especially with the ps5 pro allegedly on the way eugene says someone who switches from a ps5 to pc is a loss for sony Oh, I see what you're saying. So I thought you were saying when the games come. I was like, what? Okay, I see what you're saying, Eugene. Is that if... Is that if you gave people the option... 
like imagine me right now I have a 2080 Ti rig and a PS5 and if they started releasing games day and date on PC and PlayStation 5 if I was the kind of player that absolutely loved mouse and keyboard or absolutely loved you know utilizing Steam or any of those things you might lose me on the PlayStation ecosystem I'd be like oh I'll just buy the game over here does that make sense? Like, if you imagine somebody who has both, Patrick Q with a gifted member. Thank you so much, Patrick, taking it up to four out of 25. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, Solemn says, Lono, it's almost, hang on, I got to pop out your image. I can't see it. Lono, it's almost certain that less, less first-party games aside, Xbox having all their games available on PC is also a big reason for less console sales. How many PC users here also say they own a PS5? I mean, I don't want to go down the I don't want to go down the comparison to Xbox because I don't necessarily know that's an interesting discussion that I think would sideline us. I do think it's an interesting discussion have has Microsoft, you know, harmed the demand for the console by doing day and date. I don't know because I think it's easier to demonstrate they didn't supply enough consoles and they lacked big first party games for the first couple of years. They didn't have the draw. Right? I don't want to have that discussion, though. We're going to get sidelined on that because the defense force is going to get angry that I said anything about that console that's not, you know, uber positive. But I don't think we, we, we can demonstrate right now that day and date on console and PC is why they've sold less consoles. I think there's, like, way more reasons why they sold less consoles. They constrained production of, of them, and they didn't have a ton of first-party games for the first three years. They did, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the better discussion would be has day and date her quality well I don't want to talk about Xbox and a Playstation stream so the question a better way to phrase the question would be would day and day would day and date sorry would day and date of first party titles hurt quality like that would be the question is if you do parallel development on let's just say Wolverine you do parallel development and you have on Insomniac working alongside of who brought uh, who brought Ratchet to, to to PC? I forget already. Uh, Nixus, of course, the the wizards themselves. So you have two wizards, right? You have Insomniac, they're they're wizards, and then you have Nixus, the wizards of the porting world. So let's say you have Nixus working in tandem and doing parallel development of Wolverine. The question is, would that hurt quality? I, it's hard for me to imagine it wouldn't affect quality at least a little bit. Right? I'm not saying it would ruin it. But it's like super hard not to think, yeah, it would hurt development. We've we've heard developers speak about this rather candidly when you make for multiple platforms. You know, yo, what's good, Feed? Feed is in the chat. Guys, Feed had to switch users. We got to get this. We got to get Mark. It's it's Feed. Mark Miller. But that's Feed. We got to get him a membership. He had to switch user accounts for some reason, and he hasn't gotten one yet. We always took care of Feed every month, but he's, has to, he's had to... The way YouTube does it is it assigns like a loyalty metric to every account, and he hasn't earned enough yet, I guess. Please watch Wheel of Time. I've been watching Wheel of Time. I'm enjoying it. I'm accepting that it's not going to be anything like the books, and that's that's how I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, uh, but the, the, I think the point is, is that if you did start pushing for day and date, I think there's like layers of damage. <clears throat> Number one, you would damage the product itself. 
it would either take longer to come to market or it would diminish its quality. All developers have said time and time again, when we develop for one platform, it, it speeds things up. When we develop for one platform, the quality of the game goes up. We've heard this time and time and time again. Okay. So, day and date for something like Wolverine on PlayStation 5 and PC, we know that would hurt quality to a certain degree. Would it be detrimental? Would it destroy it? Well, no, but it would lower some of the quality. The next layer, a five bomb. <clears throat> Excuse me, a five bomb from Odd Nobody. Thank you so much for taking it to nine. I need to adjust these slides, but for Fright Night, all month long, if you guys want us to play some scary games, our current goal, ignore the 35. That's not correct. It's 3,000. You guys got to get like. I think like six or seven hundred members and we can hit that. We've we've done way more than that uh, month after month. People have been insanely generous the past couple of months. So we can it's, it definitely hit that. So for the theme of October, we're thinking Fright Nights on Friday night. We'll play some scary games. It should be a good time. So I think the next layer of damage you would lose is not only would it hurt quality of the game, but I think from the optics, people would say, well, wait, I, I don't understand. Why are you taking first party property and doing day and day. Doesn't that make it to where I don't really need a PlayStation 5? Compounding those two realities together, put those things in a blender, and they kind of pop because not only would people feel like, well, I guess I don't really need my PlayStation 5, they would then feel like, well, ever since you guys did this, now I get less quality games. Another five bomb from Rob V. Thank you so much. Taking us to 14. Little bit of a member train going. Thank you, Rob, and on nobody. For pumping the gas a little bit right now on the member train. Someone who's never uh, ever tried to deliver an IT project using Agile Scrum method knows split development is hell. Right. And I think that is why I, I don't think we'll ever see day and date within PlayStation 5 generation. PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 Pro, you will never see a day and date within this generation of it hits... It hits console and it hits PC. I don't think so. I think it's if, if it happens, it would be late next gen, if at all. They need time to justify it. You would have to have a growing, very loyal, high-purchasing community on Steam to justify that. There'd have to be a very, very compelling economic reason for someone to say... Well, yeah, we've run the numbers, and we, we definitely need to we definitely need to go into day and date for PC. Lono, well, don't act like you know what Agile Scrum means. I know what Agile means versus Waterfall, and I know that when you try to have an Agile environment and you build for multiple platforms or multiple operating systems, or even if you're building a website for multiple browsers. It is a headache. So I do know that. I have worked in those environments. Hey, somebody ordered some coffee. Thank you so much. Predator 3A for three bags of the dark roast. Guys, the light roast is back. It's back. Light roast is back. So you can grab yourself a bundle. Save a little bit. You can do the best of both worlds. Grab yourself a light roast and a dark roast. Um, Hang on a minute. What is this? Oh, man. One of my college professors passed away. Oh my goodness. I'll have to read that later. 
They wrote something about him. That's really sad. I <laughs> wasn't expecting that in a text message. I was just checking to see if I had any emails from coffee orders. You had to be willing to lose 30% of third-party sales from every person who switches. Another another point. Economically, that makes it difficult. If you want it to be economically compelling, you have so many people that you'd have to be buying on Steam to override all the other things. You got to split 30% of the sales with Steam. You got people now feeling like they don't need a PlayStation. You've got the optics of people feeling like, well, that your first party titles aren't really PlayStation titles anymore. They're they're landing on PC. Add on top of that, the, the, the quality of the work and the value of the content might go down because now you're doing parallel development. It would have to be overwhelming. You'd have to have an overwhelming amount of... of of strength on the PC landscape with PlayStation titles to pull that off. If we're going to let Lona pretend he knows how PC hardware works, we can let him know how software development works. It's only fair. (laughs) What does that mean? That's an insurmountable amount of revenue, in my opinion, says Eugene. Right, because even if you could argue and say, we're going to sell, let's just say 5 million copies on PlayStation 5 day one and we're going to sell 5 million copies day one on PC. I'm just making up a figure just so we have something to think about. It's, you know, it's unlikely that that would happen. Let's just say it happens. And they're like, our projected sales according to wish lists and market response, uh, you know, we're seeing 5 million on both platforms. You're still making way less money on Steam because 30% of all of that's going to Steam. So, you'd ha- even if you, you'd have to surpass by a significant margin for Sony to say, yeah, let's do day and date. Let's do day and date because there's a percentage of people who are now going to buy it on PC instead of buying it on PlayStation. You need an overwhelming amount for people to say, oh yeah, I'm going to buy it on PC for them to say, we're going we're gonna to do day and date. It because it, it's not just the revenue. Like it, it, it goes. It's counter to everything they've kind of built their brand on. It would be a flip of brand identity. That would be like Nintendo doing that. That would be insane. Uh, Nintendo doesn't even bring their games to PC, right? I mean, that would be huge. I stranger things have happened. There was a time where a lot of us thought, well, yeah, that we, you'll never see PlayStation games on PC and that happened so you know Captain Toasty Buns with 22 months and a VIP thank you so much Captain Toasty Buns YouTube told me I could not use feed anymore I don't understand why they told you that why do they tell you you can't use that account anymore did they they, like deprecate certain styles of accounts or something Bear says, if someone has a mainstream PC and a PS5, would they really buy for PC? They cared enough to buy the PS5 in the first place. It depends, Zubair. What if it's $10 cheaper on Steam? What if they have a larger library on Steam and they bought a PlayStation 5 just because they felt they kind of had to? Do you see how many people would say, well, I got a PS5 because it was the only way I was going to play Ragnarok. I wasn't going to sit around and wait a couple of years to play Ragnarok. But then they turn around and they say, you know, I've got years in Steam. I have a much larger library there. That means they're going to lean very heavily towards Steam if there was a, a day and date release of a PlayStation title. 
Eugene says, no, they wouldn't. Take someone like me who spends thousands, uh, if not tens of thousands every generation. They lose that. You're not making that up. The AAA PC market isn't that big. I think that's another thing that's really difficult is that if you look at, you know, AAA launches, you know, PC, big AAA studio launches, PC is, is normally not leading the pack because so many of the big AAA games were born in in a console environment and were created for consoles. I think that's always going to be one of your challenges is that the numbers the numbers just aren't there and I do think some of that comes down to brand loyalty. PC's not a brand, so there's not that sense of here comes the next PlayStation title, here comes the next Nintendo title and those brand loyal consumers, they almost buy automatically. There's a percentage of people who just buy the next Nintendo game just because it's Mario, right? There are PlayStation owners who are like, I'm just going to buy Spider-Man because I just I buy I just buy PlayStation games, right? That brand loyalty creates an undercurrent of like reliable revenue, reliable day one purchases. And when you play on PC, when you play in Steam, there isn't a brand that you're loyal to. You're more loyal, I think PC users would say, they're more loyal to ideals or they're more loyal to themselves it's like well i have these ideals about performance or they want something that's more open and free they don't want it to pay uh for you know xbox live or ps plus or something they're like well i have already paid for my internet um maybe they also really like indie titles you know and and other reasons that maybe that they've been in steam for a really long time so because they've been in steam for a really long time they're not like yeah man I'm pro Steam. Steam's a marketplace. They're like, no, I'm being loyal to myself. That's where all of my games are. If that makes sense. PC gamers are loyal to the developers. I don't know. I mean, Weezy's a big PC guy. He says, I'm more loyal to myself, right? I think that's the idea is if you have five plus years of a library in Steam and you like to stay there, that loyalty is more to yourself than Steam. Steam's the storefront. Steam's the housing. It's not... You're not buying games from them. Well, not if they never give us Half-Life 3 or Portal 3, but... <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think that's the that's the big difference, is that you, you're going to see larger AAA sales on the, on the console platforms, typically, especially for Sony and Nintendo, because they have built those games and fostered that loyalty with the games themselves. Like, there's this intrinsic, inherent relationship between somebody who's buying a Nintendo and someone who sees a Mario game. They don't really separate it. It's like, no, that's just what I do with my Nintendo. Yo, good morning, Immortal Turtle. We should separate out those types of PC players. We aren't monolithic. The frames, the resolution crowd. Oh, the frames and resolution crowd are not the digital freedom crowd. Well, sure, but even if you're a frames resolution crowd and then you have the digital freedom crowd, Zubair, you're just a horse of a different color. Who are you calling a horse? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You're still saying, this is what matters to me. You're loyal to that. Like, that's your thing. Like, the digital freedom guys are doing the same thing you're doing. They just have a different checkbox. So, like, this is what matters to me. It's not brand loyalty as, like, an a priori position. People are brand loyal first in many of these instances. Believe me. I've learned that 
really, really convincingly this year. <laughs> More than I ever thought that I would. Brand loyalty runs deep. I mean, deep. It's presumed. It's assumed. Not just assumed and presumed like I'm going to buy the next X game. I'm going to buy the next Z game, Y game, whoever's making it. It's more than just I'm going to buy the next game. It's it's going to be great. And it's great no matter what. We see this on all sides, right? People gloss over the performance issues in Final Fantasy 16. Why? Well, it's I've, Final Fantasy, baby. It's PlayStation, baby, right? It's going to be great. They buy it and they don't blink. Why? Brand loyalty runs deep. Now, brand loyalty is earned usually because they've, they've been given something great up to that point. You don't keep going back to a restaurant. You don't become brand loyal if the, if the food sucks, right? You might put up with crappy service if the food's good enough. It's like cars, says Parasito. You've got people loyal to Ford, Honda, VW. Same as PlayStation and Xbox. PC is the modding hot rod community. Wheezy says, and I refunded Final Fantasy 16. F that. Right, because your loyalty is to you. You're like, nope, these are my standards. That game falls below my standards. I'm not playing it. I've literally put the game on hold hoping I get a performance patch. I'm playing Phantom Liberty. I can't believe how insanely good it is. I, it's, unbe- <laughs> it's, un- it's unbelievable. It's like if you guys just sort of put this game on hold, if you had to release a game like this, oh my gosh. I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk Phantom Liberty, but... You know, it's tangentially related because we're talking about standards, we're talking about brand loyalty. I'm not loyal enough to Final Fantasy or Sony to be like, oh, I'm just going to overlook this and just play anyway and praise the game as if it's perfect. No. I've I've been critical of it since the beginning. It's that's not a, that's not a performance mode. Don't even call it that. Call it a performance combat mode. It's not even accurate. <laughs> it's it's not a performance mode, right? And that's my standard look at nintendo and zelda with me i did the same thing it was like oh i grew up on nintendo i love nintendo i love zelda nostalgia yes this is amazing but slowly but surely my standards pushed in and said "Mm, i can't play this like this i the 30 fps is just not it's not it i can't do this so i'm not gonna sit here and act like that we always give it a pass give it a pass no i i i don't expect that system to get that level of performance but I can't play it another gifted member from the bright side that right there is a layup that's such an easy score putting us at a nice 10 bomb away from 25 thank you bright side for the layup did you see Alan Wake 2 interview the game was built around 4k 30 performance mode incoming sometime oh are you serious I did not know that. Is that is that is that factual that they don't there's no performance mode for Alan Wake 2 at launch? That's that's really frustrating. Is that a multi-plat game? That's a multi-plat game, isn't it? Variable resource development is de-optimization, says AOZ. We says my standards are too high and I respect myself too much to lower myself for anything. F the I can ignore 30 FPS. Good for you. I will always say I'm jealous of the people that don't see it. And the 10 bomb from Cardock Ren. He does it. He slams it home and gives us our first 25 of the day. Thank you guys so much. I now owe you five. And now it's a race 
to be the agents of chaos and disrupt this. It will have performance at launch. What do you, okay, so it'll have performance at launch. Well, then what's he saying? What? Where is he getting his information? Performance mode incoming sometime? Are you just? Did you? Did you misread, mishear? DK Baker, there he is. Always the guy to push the line by one agent of chaos. Thank you so much. David Sharkbite with 25 months on a member plus. I'm not active in chat much, but I'm always happy to have you on during work and hitting that like button on every bed. Keep moving forward. Guys, listen, if you can't do a membership, that's totally fine. There are free ways to support YouTubers, man. Hit subscribe, hit the like button, be here and lurk. That's support. That is great. Any any live streamer should be grateful to have people doing that. Let me let me update this here. DK Baker says we need to push for the next one as the agents of chaos. And so let's move it up. Thank you so much, DK Baker. And also, the more you guys are here and the more you press like, the more likely you'll get that gifted. I know a lot of folks can't afford memberships right now, and that's why these super generous people, man, always doing that, just filling the funnel with gifteds. If you can't afford a membership, then hit the join button. That's how you jump in on your own or the dollar sign at the bottom of the chat. A 10 spot from Zero Check says... PC used to be a lead platform for gaming, which was lost due to pirating, hacking, and earlier development on consoles. Doesn't help that the expense of PC has gone up either. Thank you so much for the $10 super chat. And a single gifted from Dan S. Thank you guys so much, man. Those single gifteds add up quick. We greatly appreciate it. Don't be scared off by the guys doing big bombs, man. Those single gifteds are just as helpful. A five bomb from Parasito. Here we go. It's not stopping now. Taking us to 32. Thank you so much, Parasito. Consoles have been running 60 FPS since the SNES era. Idiots with a sense of history don't understand that frame rate is almost always a design choice by developer. Brightside comes in with another one and takes us to 33. Thank you guys so, so much. Bit of a member train going on right now. You can join in if you feel like helping out. If not, maybe even chat. I think sometimes if you chat, that helps you. Get a gifted? Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's another metric that may be missing from the equation. Feed. Feed, you used to be here all the time, and you've lost that. So, you know, maybe if you chat a little bit more, you might get it. I don't know. I don't know everything they measure. I think they're, your activity with the channel is what's measured. They've never really given us a, a firm metric. We would love to see Feed get a gifted membership. He's super loyal. He's here all the time. We always take care of him. Will the Frickmas Blend come back? Yes, it will be here probably in the middle of November. I think the difference between 30 and 60 FPS, but personally, uh, I don't mind playing at 30, but that doesn't mean it's not a valid point that if your competition is making the most games at 60, uh, you should do the same. So what happened with Alan Wake? How did this guy get confused about it? Okay, Eugene's got a screenshot for me here. Let's see what's being said. I'm glad to say that Alan Wake 2 will have performance mode on PS5 and Series X. The game has been built from the beginning. beginning, I can't read. The game has been built from the beginning as a 30 FPS experience focusing on visuals and ambiance, but somehow we have managed to include a solid performance mode. We'll talk details later. So he said, we'll talk details later. He didn't say it's coming later. I believe you misread. Or somebody mis- misrepresented that. You might have had somebody mislead you. It might not be your fault. That <laughs> that happens these days. Hilly hijinks. My man Hilly with 32 months. It's taken me this long to understand membership milestones are not for curse words and vulgarity. 
31 months to figure that one out. So in the 32 months, Hilly could just say something that's not offensive. Congratulations, you've come so far. Louis Love says, Some games are better on PC and a monitor like Baldur's Gate, and others are better on console and a big TV like Spider-Man. I would say that's true for you. I, I think I like any game on both. Um, I love playing a, a, a game like Baldur's Gate on a nice big TV. MJ jumps back in as a member in a VIP. Read my second comment. You want me to scroll back over this? It's been pushed out of chat like eight times. The performance mode specifics were unknown in the article, not the timing. I misspoke. You're good. You're good. It happens. It happens. That's an easy misread, I'll be honest. Do you know why that's an easy misread? It wouldn't be the first time this year somebody's like, no performance mode. Or performance mode coming later. I mean, they did it with Lake Tail Requiem. It took like seven months. It took four months for Jedi Survivor to fix their performance mode. Final Fantasy 16's performance mode is kind of a joke. It only works in combat, which thanks, but what about the rest of the game? Uh, it happened with Redfall. And then you, you know, then Starfield was just like, no, we're not even going to try. So it's not surprising that you misread it. It felt like there was a pattern emerging. It's like, what is happening? Can we just not get a good performance mode? Wheezy with 24 months in a VIP. Who cares what the blank Hilly thinks? Well, I do. I care. Thank you so much, Wheeze. It depends on the Steam Deck. 30 to 40 plays fine. I can't do less than 60 on a big screen. Yeah, I couldn't even do 30 on a handheld. Couldn't do it. Creature with the two spots says, I don't know what the blank Hilly's talking about. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Lona, you're a walking, talking wiki page. What do you mean? What did I say? <laughs> what did I say to make me a walking, talking wiki page? Uh, to be fair, combat is is a must uh, important part. Which game specific? Oh, you're saying the combat in uh, in Final Fantasy. Yeah, but it's it's absolutely damaging to the experience when I go from a nice smooth 60 FPS performance in combat to what looks like a flip book if I'm exploring or in the towns. Listen, listen. In gaming, because gaming is a subjective experience, every game you play, you're risking something. Do you want to know what you're risking? you're risking having a better experience. TJ Rage comes in with a gifted member and takes us to 34. Think about it. You're risking having a better experience. Do you see the narrative surrounding Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty? Are you seeing what people are saying? They're like, this is a lot better, and I've got an upload coming today about that. My man Captain Steve did a comparison of NPCs, and I'm going to react to his video. You risk playing something better. I was playing Final Fantasy 16, and guess what? Jedi Survivor fixed its, fixed its performance mode. You know what happened? I played a game where it was 60 FPS the whole time. Do you think I want to go back to 16? No, I want. I'm waiting for a patch. They said they're going to patch it. I have a lingering suspicion they never do, but they said they're going to. A two spot from Nicholas Hill. You can play Spider-Man and Baldur's Gate three on your PC or TV. This is true. I I think that's subjective. Like I like playing games on the small, you know, monitor, nice, you know, nice and tight here at my desk. But I also like, you know, my big screen. I like both. You know, comparisons a thief of joy. It's true. It's true. Every time you play a new game, you're taking a risk. This is something that I I I, I feel 
I feel pretty consistently. I can't go back and play old games now. I just can't do it. I can't. There's just too many... Um, there's too many things missing. You know? They're, 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 the polish is missing. The Some of the, some of the modern... Modern gaming expectations are missing. Since Forspoken is using the same engine as Final Fantasy 16 and they just added FSR 3, maybe they will upgrade from FSR 1 and 16 to 3. Yeah, I don't know what that upgrade process looks like, Omar. Digital Foundry speculated that that may be something they could do down the line because Digital Foundry seems surprised that they were using FSR 1. So... I can deal with the frames more than the constant graphical glitches and occasional frame drops. For whatever reason, Eugene, I didn't notice any of the stuff that you're talking about. I had some popping in the cutscenes in Survivor, and that was it. It's possible that I was a little doe-eyed and and, and glassy-eyed because I was so glad to finally be playing Survivor, but I didn't see a lot of the stuff that you saw. Maybe my TV's hiding it from me with VRR. I don't know. I really don't. Um, Because I didn't see... You know, I didn't see the tearing that you said you still saw. 25 months from Vengeance and it's a VIP. Hilly is 100% effing wrong. Milestones are absolutely for saying blank a lot. And to remind Lono, he's a blanking Sony fanboy. Seriously though, love you Lono. F! Thank you so much, Vengeance. I appreciate that very, very much. Flipbook's a bit hyperbolic. I don't think it's hyperbolic at all. I think it's an apt description. That's what it looks like to me. Look at a flipbook when someone does it. And like the the style of animation. Whenever I go into a town in Final Fantasy 16, it looks like a flipbook. It doesn't look smooth. It looks extremely stuttery. I it's it's I would argue that it's terrible because it's performance mode. <laughs> and you've you've proven <laughs> this debate frustrates me. It's like you've proven that you can maintain 60 in environments where a lot more is going on. (laughs) There's enemies, there's explosions, there's particle effects, and I go to a town and all the NPCs are like standing still. You you can't give me performance mode in town? You, You can't give me performance mode when I'm running down a street or through the forest? Come on. What's, what's going on here? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't give them, I don't give Final Fantasy 16 a single ounce of pass on that. I don't, I don't. They talked a big game before they launched it. It's going to show off the power of the PS5. Really? By being the first game with performance mode that's not really a performance mode? Is that like a badge of honor that you guys were going for? I've played plenty of games on my PlayStation 5 and their performance modes don't do this. Yours is the first one. So I'm not really sure why you're all out here talking such a big game. Like, I know why they were talking a big game, because the icon fights, the cinematic, you know, breadth and scope is awesome. But what the heck's going on with performance mode, bro? You were making a game for the PlayStation 5 where the standard is set. The standard is fidelity mode, quality mode, and performance mode, frame rate mode. And people who pick performance mode, what do you think they want? They're, they want frames. <laughs> I don't give them a pass on it. I don't. I don't. Beautiful game. It'll likely win awards. But I, I'm, I'm quite critical of their performance mode.
I was making sure my wife's mic was off. I'll start setting things down over here. Kapling, kapling. Um, am I running the timer? Let me see. No, I'm not. You guys haven't. You guys haven't gotten to see the other angle today. I don't think you're risking something. Console and PC are two completely different experiences. Well, now hang on. I wasn't speaking in the realm of console versus PC. That's not what I was talking about. What I was referencing was when you play a new game, you are risking having a better experience. So when I was playing Tears of the Kingdom, and then I played a game that you would argue is newer in respect to like standards, I played a 60 FPS game. It made it extremely hard to go down. When I was playing Redfall one night on my TV and my wife was playing Hogwarts on the TV right next to it, the comparison was jarring. It was like, that's a new game. I don't know what the frick this is, but this is not a new game. This feels like something from the last gen. This feels like something that we were we were supposed to leave this behind, right? So anytime you play a new game, you're taking that risk. You're risking playing something that is better. I'm telling you, Look at the dialogue surrounding Phantom Liberty, all right? Just look at the dialogue surrounding Phantom Liberty. People are like, this is how you do an RPG. This is how you do dialogue sequences. This is how you do lighting and cinematics and graphics. This is how you do a game where you can pick lots of stuff up. Let the hearer understand. Like, look at what's happening with Phantom Liberty. Sven with 27 months and a VIP. Parasito says... Something that I saw recently showed how intense certain tasks can be, even though they're seemingly benign. Counter-Strike 2 revamped their smoke grenades, and each time a smoke cloud is rendered, it takes as long as, if not longer, to render as the entire map's geometry and texture data. There are lots of things that come into play with process scheduling, optimizing, ETC. You can't feed the GPU if all of the CPU time is spent on NPCs or loading in and out assets in the world Eugene says AC6 has ruined me to a degree and I have a feeling Spider-Man will as well every time you play a game that raises the bar on performance and the experience you can have in a game a little amount of metamorphosis takes place in your brain it's small, it's ever so slight but it happens it it happens the more you play newer games, the more you play games that are raising the bar and quiet. Like, play Baldur's Gate 3 for an entire month. Do it. And then go play an RPG from a long time ago. Or go play an RPG that's more in the middle. It's not, they're not bad. I'm not even saying go play a bad game. I'm just saying play Baldur's Gate 3 for like a month. And then go go play, go play an older style or one, that, one that's considered more in the middle range. It will exacerbate the lesser quality. You'll sense it more. DTOM with 25 months and a member plus. I think PC release and how it impacts the PS5 subservice is an important part of this. Should release it on the service come before PC. That is an excellent point, DTOM, that we haven't talked about. So we've been tangentially talking about bringing games to PC because we're talking about performance and how much it matters because... We are, I think, talking in essence about if you bring a game to PC the same time as a PlayStation 5, you're going to hurt performance, and performance really affects the experience of the game. But let's sort of bring it back, maybe center stage, and talk about that. Like, PlayStation PC games, if 
if they come to PC day and date, that's another thing that you're undercutting. That's why I've said 18 months is the sweet spot. 18 months is a sweet spot because you have the game for an entire year, PS5 only. And then after a year, you throw it on PS Plus for a month or two. And then when you get to a year and a half, you say, all right, let's, let's throw it to PC. Let's throw the PC boys a bone. Right? Jabert says, I played Baldur's Gate 3 for a month, and the RPG elements in Cyberpunk are disappointing, even though they are just fine in a vacuum. Perfect example. I've not played Baldur's Gate 3. I went from... Uh, I went from Final Fantasy 16 to Jedi Survivor. I beat Jedi Survivor, and now I'm playing Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, and I'm like, this is phenomenal. This is wonderful. Sorcerer with 28 months in a VIP. Thank you so much, Sorcerer. You just described my Baldur's Gate 3 versus Starfield on the story and the character dialogues. Right, and, and that, again, the, when you're doing that, you're not bashing... You're not bashing the other game. You're not. You're simply saying, okay, I've had this experience. Let me go play this game. And then you try it and you say, "Eh, I don't know. This doesn't seem to be as robust. This doesn't seem to be as good. Currently, guys, current member count, just going to give you guys a quick member count, is 2072. 2072. So you guys have got a ways to go but we just started a brand new month so that's actually a really great starting place that's not bad at all you guys can easily add on to that if you guys are wanting to push those goals that we have for October Baldur's Gate 3 is game of the year it certainly seems that way this guy says actual clown take so surprising with a name like hate army that that's your contribution to the discussion says there's no real reason to delay the release of PC games other than outdated lines of thinking that PC players would ever buy a PS5 for a single game. Um, so you don't think there's any reason to delay a game on PC. You can't think of a single reason. I can give you some. I don't know if you're aware of these, so I'm just going to give them to you and see what you think. Okay, let's see if this changes your mind at all. Your current position is there is no real reason to delay a game coming to PC. Well, the first reason we've been provided is they don't want to do parallel development. We have it on good authority from many developers' commentary that parallel development harms the quality of the project, speed to market, efficiency, optimization. All those things are hindered when you try to do a multi-platform release, especially when you're going from a PlayStation 5 to a PC because you're dealing with, you know, architectural differences. You're dealing with a, a litany of configuration differences on PC. So that would be one reason. The other reason would be economic reasons. They've invested a lot in a franchise or a piece of identifiable property like God of War or Spider-Man. And that property has power in the market, right? It helps them to maintain demand of their console, maintain demand of their hardware. So that would be an economic reasons. There's an optic reasons, right? You've got you've got loyal fans, you've got brand loyal fans who think PlayStation 5, I bought a PlayStation 5, I get these games. These games are intrinsically linked to the identity of PlayStation 5 and that's important to me. So those are all reasons that you would not bring a game to PC as fast as possible. You would want to wait. I think those are legitimate reasons. Now you may not be compelled by those reasons, but I think those are legitimate reasons to not do it. Happy Raging Matt sets it up and pushes us to 35. Thank you so much. Happy Raging Matt. It basically devalues the product entirely. Maybe I was a little too over the top. I can obviously think of a few reasons. I mean, there's no reasonable reason. 
I feel like I just gave you reasonable reasons because my reasons are business oriented hate army like you have to think like a business just stop for one second if PlayStation could make more money and it wasn't damaging to their brand or demand of their console if they could make more money on paper if it made great business sense to do it they would do it that makes their decision not to do it reasonable because it's backed by business logic and strategy ps5 being a different architecture than literally everything else is a design mistake on playstation's part not anyone else's what huh so would you say that about the nintendo switch with 129 million nintendo switches in circulation would you say that about what xbox has done xbox has the series x and the series s they have they have completely separate SKUs. And, and the Series X and the Series S are not, like, tiny PCs. They're different as well. Like, all... You basically just said all consoles are a mistake, design-wise. Right? Now, I would say Xbox is closer to PC because of the operating system. But it's still different. It's still different hardware. It's not It's not identical. That's the thing with PC. There is no identical hardware out there. El Nini gifts a single member and takes us to 36. We're going to need some big days if you guys are going to hit those goals and you guys are having a big day right now. This is the way to do it. I think most people who wouldn't watch shows uh, this that we enjoy, not slight, probably don't care if the game comes to PC. They just care about their own experience. Bear says, if Sony could make more money just selling games on PC instead of selling consoles, they would do that. They are a, they're in the money business. That's right. Good morning, Lona. Looking forward to this week's shows. Thank you so much. Cristiano Souza. Appreciate that. We printed your, uh, your coffee order last night. Uh, Cristiano, my wife and I were in here printing them off. That's my argument right now. I haven't bought a PS5 because I have a PC and I'd save the hardware costs and online play subscription costs and put it toward games. Yeah, and that's why I said earlier, I feel like PC gamers are more loyal to themselves than loyal to a brand. You're, you're looking out for you. You're not, you're not, you're not, you don't care about a brand. I think that's why PC Master Race guys get so judgmental about the, the console warring and the console tribalists. Because I think for them, they're like self-righteously above it all because they're like, I only care about me. Well, the truth is everybody has their ideals. Yours are just different. They're not superior. I think it adds to the hubris, but I think that's why they look at it with scathing judgment because they're like, y'all are suckers, man. We're over here with Steam and we don't pay for online. It's like, yeah, that's cool, man. That's good for you. That's what you, that's what you value. You know, people aren't like you. There's people that are different than you. There's people that value something on the other end of the spectrum and they're happy to have something for $400 they can put in their living room and it's, it's super simple. They don't have to think about anything else, right? That to them is the is the, the value. Roadkill with eight months of membership. Welcome back. I'll give you a reason that Nintendo Switch coming to computer is they break and it looks on PC, does and PC and Nintendo Switch fans cry. That sentence doesn't make any sense. You got to try again. Well, right now, you have to wait two years for those PlayStation first party games, says Solemn. So that comes with a heavy time cost. The game will be talked about and covered everywhere from front to back by the time you get it on PC. True. 
true. That's the risk that you take, like, right? All y'all that didn't, you know, you haven't played God of War Ragnarok yet, you know, if you're worried about spoilers, you have likely seen some, or you know, you know, some details of the story. You've, you've seen a screenshot or two. You know. John Lineman asking the public, when capturing footage for a game which has performance and quality mode, which would you prefer to see for the bulk of the video? Performance mode is what I would pick because I want to see how the game performs in all the different circumstances with performance mode. Case in point, Final Fantasy 16, right? If I if I see if I see quality mode the whole time, I don't have an idea of what it looks like when you go from combat to exploration or when you walk into a town. I understand that, but the problem is you can't play Tears of the Kingdom on another platform like uh, probably you meant to say the Xbox or the PS5. Nintendo games are restricted on Nintendo devices only. I 100% support the idea of Nintendo bringing their games to PC, but I also respect the fact that they don't feel like they have to. Does that make sense? Like, it's I kind of respect the fact that they're so strong, they're like, we don't need to do that. Think of it from this perspective. Let's say that you were selling um, let's say you were selling candy bars in your neighborhood and you knew the demand for the candy bars in your neighborhood meant that you could sell a thousand every month. And someone was like, if you bought more of the inventory and you traveled farther to this other neighborhood, you could sell another 100 candy bars. You would look at that and say, I don't really need to do that. The cost associated with that, the travel time, the wear and tear on me as a person for the extra 100 isn't worth it. I'm happy right here to just keep slamming out a thousand candy bars every month. You would logistically weigh that and say, why? Right? That's where Nintendo is. They're like, why would we do that? We have record sales of the device. We have record sales of our games. Why would we spend more time, more energy, more development, more bandwidth? We would dilute our brand because now all of a sudden our games are everywhere. And we would sell it on a platform that would pale in comparison to the sales we get on our own device. Do you see? It's like, we're not going to go through all of that. We we, We sell great now. And doing that would be a direct threat to their ongoing potentially their ongoing demand of the product and the, as well as the games themselves because it would no longer be yeah you got to go to Nintendo for that right rumor Nintendo to move into the candy bar industry per Lono <laughs> right like and that's the same discussion with PlayStation PC games PlayStation PC games coming day and date to to PC the same day it hits PlayStation I think on paper, people just assume that's more sales, that's better. And it's like, it's business is never that unidimensional. It's never that unidimensional. Because if that were true, there'd be no such thing as market research. You, don't, you would not try to come up with a target audience or a target market. Why? Because you just want to make as many sales as possible. Well, okay, the way you do that is by having a target audience. You would have a, a, a form of target marketing. You would have a form of like, this is what the offer is. This is who we know our our consumer is. This is how we maintain demand. These consumers like this for these reasons. So it's never as simple as, well, we would have more sales. 
it's never that simple because more things would happen than just well if uh, Spider-Man 2 launched on the PlayStation 5 and PC day and date we'd sell more copies okay but the equation to figure out whether or not to do that is far more complex than do we sell more copies there's way more moving parts you'd have to do parallel development in tandem with Nixus we don't even know if that's how Nixus operates right so that might not even be in the cards Nixus might say no man our, our specialty is you give us a complete game and we port it we, 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 we parallel development that's going to slow down our efficiency you slow down our efficiency and we're going to slow you down because then that means our version of the game is going to take longer to come to market and if our goal is day and date we just pushed your date back by the sheer nature of what we have to do in tandem with you so there's a cost associated with that because now your project's taking longer which means it's more expensive which means you just threatened margins which means as your margins shrink you're hoping you can make that up on the steam uh sales storefront and when you go to steam you also know you're losing 30 percent on every sale because you got to give steam their cut that's just one layer of the equation that you have to consider when you're like more games in more places more sales it's like it's it's way more complex than that because if it was just a matter of put the game everywhere and make more sales then why isn't everybody doing that all third party developers why aren't they doing that why do some third party developers launch on Nintendo only why do they sometimes only launch on Steam especially if they're a smaller third party double A or indie studio why because there's costs associated with trying to hit every platform those costs are a threat to your margin because those costs are in attached to elongating the project and the more you elongate that project the more you're thinking our projected sales are now they're here right let's say you're going to hit every platform so your projected sales are like here and your project gets longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and the closer my hand gets to this hand the smaller that margin gets and it's like well if we do this the margin's safer it's more protected like our bandwidth our time to market our project estimations they're a lot easier to control in this environment because now we sort of know like this is what we're doing first Indie devs often only launch on Steam or only on PC and one console. Right. And sometimes indie titles have been hitting Nintendo first as well because the platform is just so large. PlayStation Studios executive Herman Holst has confirmed that the upcoming live service games for PS4 and PS5 will release day and date on PC. Right, but now you're talking about something completely different. You're talking about a live service game that needs a full funnel from day one. We're not talking about a flagship tentpole title like Spider-Man, Wolverine, God of War, Horizon, Forbidden West, Ghost of Tsushima. These are like tentpoles. These are flagships. Live service titles are not intended to be that. They're intended to be revenue funnels for the company to hit a demographic that they're not presently hitting. Your big first-party, third-person action-adventure, story-driven games, they're great. They hit a tone, they have demand, they have a market sector that they're hitting. Live-service games that require, likely to be free-to-play, online support, ongoing, you gotta have monetization structures, you need a full funnel from day one. That, you can't do staggered release, it doesn't work. 
So now you're, t- you're, you're making a categorical shift if you think that's somehow a repudiation to what I'm saying. I'm talking specifically about the titles that are known to be these are your identity markers for the brand of PlayStation. Same with Nintendo. You're like, you know, the, these are the games. These are our games. They are what makes Nintendo Nintendo. So, PlayStation games coming to PC, I, I don't think it. I don't think it happens any faster than eighteen months. If it happens in the twelve month window that Herman Holst indicated that that would be the fastest it would happen, it would likely be an exception. I think Ragnarok could be the exception, but I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be strange if they were to do that. If they were to sort of leapfrog Ragnarok ahead of Forbidden West, because they could. They surprise us with Ratchet and Clank. They're like, "Hey, Ratchet and Clank is coming to PC," and then two months later was the release date. So, I mean, they could surprise us this month, and at the end of the month, after Spider-Man's out of the way, they could say Ragnarok's coming to PC in December. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they are. I think the next PC port is Forbidden West. I don't think there's any surprises up their sleeve. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nintendo never gets the exclusive criticism like PlayStation does. Well, Nintendo, yeah, it's interesting. It'd always be interesting to study that. Like, look back on it and think about, like, sociologically, why is the more ruthless company in the gaming space? Why does everybody kind of ignore them? You know what I mean? Historically speaking, they were they've been they've been a little bit more ruthless, especially in the early days. I think a lot of people that console war now just don't know that. They don't they don't pay any attention to them. The other thing to consider is Nintendo hasn't really marketed in a way to to foster that. We have it on pretty good authority that they there was a concerted effort to to utilize console warring. For marketing purposes, you know that was admitted by some. That was admitted by somebody from Microsoft, I think. And PlayStation certainly set its sights on, a, like a tug of war between the platforms started. It pretty much, I mean, I don't know the exact title you would go back and say is this the causality of it, but I think when you had two major players in the market and you had a player trying to get in, they tried to get in. They, you know, they used exclusivity. They used exclusivity contracts. And that creates a back and forth. Well, Nintendo wasn't threatened by that. Like, when that battle started, I think Nintendo was off somewhere else. Right? Historically speaking, Call of Duty was sort of the first major battleground of the console war. And so Nintendo isn't threatened by that. Nintendo's like, oh, we don't don't need that title. We have Mario, we have Zelda. They can crank out a Mario Party and a Mario Kart and a Pokemon game, and they're fine. Like, that, they'll they'll make so much money from those pieces of property that they didn't really need to go to go to bat or fight over that piece of property. And so Call of Duty becomes monolithic in the gaming world, and it becomes a battleground between two players. That, I think, is kind of the seedbed for the console war. And that started a long time ago. This is not a he started it moment. You know, when you go in the room and one of the kids is like, he started it. It's not even really about that. There's no blame placing here. I just think strategy-wise, there was an era of time where you had a player trying to break into the market and they utilized some of those strategies. And I think that creates a back and forth. And Nintendo, 
wasn't affected by that back and forth. So Nintendo just gets to kind of like chart their own course while the other two platforms sort of fight over the biggest game in town. Does that make sense? Like if you just stop, you know, yelling at each other for a second and, you know, people calm down, you'll see that a lot of this was just born around one one title that was seen as super important to console revenue streams, you know, Call of Duty. It'd be amazing to have a documentary specifically on that game's impact on not just gamers, but the structure of strategy going forward. Like, that game became so important that that's that's sort of when it, it, it began. And that's why I don't think I've ever really cared, because that's where I started. I started over there. I had World of War. I was playing Call of Duty there with all my buds. I filled out my friends list. I started playing Destiny on my on my Xbox. Like I built my library there. I built my friends list there. I was always sort of on that side of the fence. And then I started playing different games. Like my journey as a gamer is interesting because even now I'm I'm experiencing a change. Some of it's season of life, right? Like I'm so busy that I really enjoy a story-driven game like when I was playing Final Fantasy 16 for like an hour a night, I'm putting it on ice hoping for a patch. But like right now I'm playing Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. I can play one mission, do some dialogue, move the story along, and then I can set the game down. I can like I can like put the game down and, and step away. Like as a dad, as like I'm I'm super busy, I've got you know, I've got two kids, I've got a wife, like this is my full time gig, so when I'm done here, I'm planning the next day. So that that adds to the evolution. But I also think I just burned myself out on 10 years of Call of Duty. The 10 years of Call of Duty sort of pushed me toward co-op games like Borderlands. And then I started leaning towards like, oh, I really like, you know, uh, games I play, PvE games I play with other people. And then so that sort of thrust me on a trajectory with Destiny. Well, distance from Destiny has really changed me as a gamer. Really changed me as a gamer I slowly have fallen more in love with narrative driven games action adventure games and now I'm even more enjoying games with dense narrative story or I'm just kind of sitting there listening to dialogue and then maybe I pick something like Phantom Liberty is is something I never would have imagined enjoying so you know your your evolution as a gamer is sometimes out of your control because you don't know the impact the game's going to have on you when you play it. I had to borrow my brother's PlayStation just to play The Last of Us. And that that game changed me. It was like, "Oh wow, these games are incredible." And then I think Hellblade changed me. Um and then you know Tsushima and the rest. So if you think about the games you have played for you you know the games you've played for years those will shape those will shape what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy so you'll find yourself after 10 years of playing games thinking man oh man I feel like I missed out I did that with Assassin's Creed I remember with Assassin's Creed being like I can't believe I slept on these games and then I binged them I played AC1, AC2, Brotherhood and then I got to Revelations and it was like I, I, <laughs> I played too much right so, that's why when I think about, you know, PlayStation games coming to PC, I definitely think those, there's like that spectrum I talked about in the open. There's the people that are like, no, PlayStation games should come to PC day one. And then there's people that like get really angry. And they're like, no, PlayStation games should never come to PC. 
And I'm like, all right, everybody calm down. The games are awesome. The games are good. Let them land and draw demand and drive demand for PS5. Let them be developed well and land well and be polished. And then bring them to PC later to maximize the brand's footprint, to maximize the franchise's strength, to maximize profit. I would imagine that that's always going to be a good strategy when you have a good piece of property. The PC landscape sort of always there if you want to take something, port it, and and bring it over. I just don't think day and date makes any sense. And I don't think the people who are super brand loyal that are like, don't ever bring a game to PC, I just don't I don't think that's logical. I think you're brand loyal. You're so brand loyal, you're not brand loyal. Like you're so brand loyal that you're asking the brand to do something that's antithetical to just good business sense of like, why would we not launch over there? It's a huge platform. There's lots of people. Guys, we've been streaming for about an hour and a half. If you haven't taken the time to do so yet, please smash that like button and hit subscribe. Those are the those are the best ways to support the channel. If you want to do a membership or gift a membership, that's another way to support as well. And then we do have sponsors. We have the coffee. There's a variety of ways to support, but the easiest way to support is to hit subscribe. Hit the bell button. That way you can be here throughout the week. If I'm ever not on your homepage on YouTube, make sure and check your sub page. Sometimes I might get bumped from your homepage depending on what you've been watching. So always make sure and do that. We do a a live stream like this Monday through Friday. I am safe for work. So when you hit subscribe and you come back every day, you can kind of have me on in the background of your day. A lot of people treat me kind of like a radio show or a podcast. And we greatly appreciate y'all for doing that. It's not brand loyal. It's my brand winning loyal. But that's not even winning though, right? Like, are you winning if you're insisting that your brand make less money? Like, (laughs) that's weird. You know what I mean? People will be like, buy this crappy AMD GPU because NVIDIA is mean. (laughs) Well, yeah, Zubair told me about that, about how the, um, there's brand loyalists within the PC world. There's like the NVIDIA guys and there's like the AMD guys. I'm like, this is always just so weird to me. I just, if something works really, really well, like, I don't think about the fact that I have a a certain brand of television and people do it with their phones too. I just don't think about that. I don't, I just don't think I ever have. I think it's because I'm very utilitarian when it comes to technology. Like the reason that you guys had to replace my TV because I wouldn't do it was because I was like, it works. The TV works. I don't need to replace it. What's the big deal? And you guys are like, you're, you've got a 720 plasma from 13 years ago. Like, what are you doing? A 10 bomb from Behemoth. Thank you so much for doing that. Putting us on the doorstep of the next goal. 46 members already today. Thank you, Behemoth. Behemoth is aptly named. Been coming in and dropping big member bombs the last couple of days and weeks. Thank you very much, sir. If you guys just got a gifted member, make sure and thank Behemoth. Consider paying it forward. You can gift a member as well to somebody else. Lots of people are here. Not everybody can afford the membership, and the gifted memberships are greatly appreciated. There's also AMD versus Intel, uh, even with mice. There's Razer versus Logitech. Yeah. You're okay with buying a Walmart brand's TV that will fail after like two years? Are you talking to me, Butters? I'm not are you talking to me or somebody else? I'm 31. I don't give a crap about the company. I want a good product. 
I'm praying for the competition because I win. I don't give a blank about some corporate executive bonus. Good morning, Solid Tech. How are you? I don't have loyalty to brands. I have loyalty to who is the best at the moment. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it it's not even about front running. Like, you know how in sports, like somebody's, somebody's team gets knocked out of the tournament or whatever. Or somebody's team is having a terrible season. So they just start cheering for the best team. You're talking to me. You said you don't care about brand. Yeah, I don't care about brand. I didn't say I don't care about quality. You jumped to a different category. I don't care about the brand. I said if it works, that's all that matters to me, right? You And then you run to a cheap TV that might break in two years. Well, no. When it came time to replace my television... I wouldn't have said, race to the bottom, let's buy the cheapest thing I can find. Why? Because I, what matters to me is that it works. So in that value paradigm, I'm not going to do a race to the bottom. I'm going to go for quality. I'm going to go for something that's good. When I say I don't care about the brand, I'm not like, oh man, I have a Samsung TV. And if you don't have a Samsung TV, you have a piece of garbage. You know what I mean? <laughs> Reaper with 30 months in a VIP. Yolono, glad uh, to be here. Glad you're thriving, brother. Onward and forward. Thank you so much, Reaper. Walmart has decent TVs. Well, yeah, even that was somewhat overstated. Like, Walmart sells perfectly great televisions. They're not guaranteed to break in two years. I mean, I know people who buy... They'll go to, like, a Target or a Walmart, and they will literally find the cheapest TV there, and it'll it'll be fine for them for years. For years. A lot of the times, it's from one of the big companies... They just slap a different name on it. It's some sub-company that they own. You know what I mean? On the opposite, it's so easy to root for the top dog. Right, I didn't get to finish my point. It's not like you're doing front-running where you just cheer for the team that sells the most, right? Because that means we would only cheer for Nintendo, right now especially. For me, it's I cheer for the front-runner as in whatever the greatest game is at the time, like whatever's knocking the doors off with quality and value, whether it's graphics or gameplay or both, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. That's what matters to me. If, if you're going to go that, you know, if that's the, if that's the mentality of the consumer, then this is why I, I've been so critical of final fantasy 16 because it's like, I, that's what I, I'm like, no, I've played games that perform better than this. So, that's why I said playing a new game is a risk. If you play a new game, and it performs at this threshold, and then you come and play another game, and it performs lower than that threshold, you're going to feel some, at least I do, you feel almost some sense of injustice. You're like, what's going on here? Why is this happening? You don't have a lot of, you know, uh, tolerance for that. It's like watching a TV show for weeks and then the night you tune in the company's having issues with their servers and it's buffering and stuttering you're like what is this like you get angry there's a sense of injustice that it's not been like this why is it suddenly like this if AMD GPUs were the best I'd be buying AMD GPUs says Wheezy well, I mean, and how you measure that, right? I don't know what the best GPU is. You're going to have a measurement structure in your brain, and when something lines up or doesn't line up with that measurement structure, you're going to 
you're, you're going to determine whether or not you, like, oh, I don't want that graphics card. Why? Well, because these are the things I think are the best, and that graphics card's not doing it. I have brand loyalty for things that have an experimental component for the intangibles like coffee or cars or clothing. Things that are not pure utility. Love that dark roast. Thank you, Zubair. <laughs> yeah, Zubair is a big fan of the Reforge roast dark roast. Um, right. Yeah, like th- there are things that are more objectively measured, right? Like internet speed, size and resolution of a television, um, you know, things like that. I think that I think you're gonna you're gonna have those things that are a little bit easier to measure. I think it's harder to measure like the quality and value of a video game because you might hate a particular genre, you might not like a particular developer because they have certain things they do stylistically that you don't agree with or like. Uh, there's a variety of things there that are gonna come into play because it's not just a measurement anymore. You're not just measuring internet speed. You're not just measuring well how fast is the computer's CPU, how good is the computer's GPU, like how much RAM does it have, right? You're not doing that. You're not just measuring raw strength. You're measuring quality points in a game that are, you know, all across the spectrum. Oh! That was a good hip-hop. That felt good. I will always be a PlayStation loyalist, but will acknowledge when the competition offers quality. I mean, I don't think I would ever say the sentence that I will always be a PlayStation loyalist. I would not be loyal to their brand and buy their products if they start doing things I don't like. Does that make sense? Like, I I stop being loyal to certain brands if they do things that I don't like, or maybe I'm more hesitant to buy their products if they do something that I don't like. Even even games like if you think about like what what happened with me with even PC gaming, it's like I went the distance with PC gaming. I was building my own rigs for a while, and then I was like, it's just easier to buy a 360. It's where all my buddies are going to be playing. So like my loyalty to you know being a PC gamer, that's not a brand, but you get what I'm saying. Like that changed because I changed. I was Nintendo my whole life. And then all my buddies at school started playing on PC. So what did I do? Well, I left Nintendo behind. I wasn't like, no, I will be a Nintendo loyalist my whole life. I had a Nintendo Wii. I have a Switch. I don't feel like I bought those out of brand loyalty. I bought them because I was like, oh, it's Nintendo and I like Nintendo titles. But there could be a time where I say, no, I'm not loyal to PlayStation. They did a bunch of stuff that I don't like. You know, it's not beyond the scope of possibility that they make choices in the future with brands or with games. Like, here's an example. Uh, Jedi uh, Jedi Survivor, according to everything we're hearing, they're already there's already plans in place. They might already be working. They might already even be working on the third game. I'm going to be extremely skeptical. You know, my my enjoyment of Star Wars will draw me in and make me want to buy it and play it, but they don't they lost their director you know, Disney's wanting games out at a cadence that I think is unhealthy, and from where I sit, if if that's the if that's the future of that franchise, my loyalty is going to be more tenuous, because especially after the Survivor release date, if that makes sense. Being loyal to a piece of plastic is crazy. Uh, this comes from someone that currently works for one of these companies, by the way. These companies do not give a crap about anyone. Disney contract... Uh, has to be hellish for respawn. Yeah, I'm really worried about the future of the of the Jedi uh, franchise. 
because Fallen Order was great and it was a little buggy at launch. Survivor, I think, was a a better game. It was an amazing sequel, but it launched in worse state. So it's like, I don't know what's going to happen to the next game. You lost your director. So I think loyalty can be lost over time if they do things that you don't like. My digital library is so tied to PlayStation at this point, I can never see not having a PlayStation. Doesn't mean that will be my main. Right, things can change. Things can shift. Other players can enter the picture, you know? The fact that we're considering, you know, Nintendo may be able to market around power next year. They may be able to showcase their games at, at, at not like high levels of performance, but like really good performance. That's something that we didn't anticipate, you know? And that seems to be... Uh, in our future, you know, it seems to be a, a, a very, very strong uh, potential reality that we're going to be staring at, like a, a Nintendo Switch or whatever they call it, that can run games at a, at a at a much higher performance than we've seen. My loyalty to the Xbox side of arguments is born from the investment in the friends being there, tens of thousands of dollars, not the Microsoft company. Uh, and that loyalty could potentially be swayed. Do you guys remember the era of my streams where we were running raids and uh, I got a PlayStation so I could create characters on the PlayStation and then run raids with people there? Do you remember how difficult it was to get me to do that? Like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't see the point. It was like, everything is here. Like, I have all my games. I have all my friends. I have, you know, they... I have... All my achievements, my gamer score, like I have all of this stuff here. I hated going over to PlayStation at that time. I didn't see the reason. I had one game. <laughs> I had one game. <laughs> you know? I think those ki- I think switching like that is difficult because kind of like what Eugene just said, like once you amass that library, it's really, really difficult to let go of it, you know? I think one of the main reasons I've been able to let go of the library on Xbox is because there's such a generational leap from a lot of the games I have on there. I think most of my library on there is 360 era because I amassed a big library during the 360 era. And then because I became a destiny content creator, I was buying less games because all I played was destiny. So the middle generation there, I don't have a lar- as large of a library because I was only playing Destiny. So whenever it became time to switch, it was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of that library, but that library at this point is kind of ancient, if that makes sense. Which 2 is going to surpass the PlayStation 2? I mean, it's possible. It's possible. They're going to have to have the price point in the right place, and they're going to have some. They're going to have to have some killer launch titles, and I think they'll be able to since the Switch is. You know, if the Switch, if the next Nintendo comes out next year, that's you know that's that's uh, that's seven years. That's a good amount of time. It's easy to say that you will switch to other hardware depending on where the games are. If you don't have friends and talk to every, uh, you don't. Oh, when you if you don't have friends, you talk to every single day, right? Yeah. I mean, I if I didn't become a content creator, I don't think I ever would have left behind Xbox for multiplayer games cuz that's where that's where my crew was, that's where my clan was, that's who I played Call of Duty with. You know. You go over to the other side and you feel lonely. You're like nobody's over here. <laughs> like it becomes a cultural thing, right? You turn on the box, 
your you know your your faithful crew you get a ping you check who's on you jump in a party you're like yeah what's going on what you doing oh yeah i'm good yes yeah, so and so is going to get home from work in 30 minutes like we had everybody's schedule we knew on what days who could play and who couldn't we knew on certain days who was going to show up late or have to leave early like we just we it was like a little i don't know it was like a club that you knew exactly when folks were going to get on. You'd be like, yo, I thought you were working today. And you're like, yeah, I've, I I called out or something. So then you go to the other platform. You're like, there's nobody over here. <laughs> I don't have anybody to talk to. You know? I remember that. I remember switching. was It was, it was brutal. It was like there was nobody on the list. Nobody to play with. <clears throat> An example I have is the two G-Sync monitors. If I switch to AMD, that feature becomes useless. Yeah, like if you build around a PC and a PC's hardware, that's always going to be an issue, isn't it? You know, you're gonna you don't want to lose those things. That's definitely that's definitely that's a reason that I had a hard time um, when I got a PlayStation Four. I hated the controller. I used a Cronus just so I could keep using an Xbox controller. Like I was so accustomed to this. To this date, I almost instinctively use this on my PC as well. This just feels like home to me. The Dual Sense really won me over. It's di- you know it's different size. It's larger. I think it just feels better. It's a huge step up from the the PS4 controller. I still don't like the PS4 controller. I think it feels terrible. Not it just doesn't feel ergonomically sound. It feels awkward to hold. I let my uh, let friends of mine borrow my <clears throat> my PS4 Pro, and I held the controller and I was like, ugh, I was like, this is terrible. Um, I just don't like it. It doesn't feel right. God of War accessible accessible issues. No, which which ones? What are you talking about? Are you talking about the accessibility features that they added, or are there are there issues with its accessibility? When I buy a console, I have a certain level of confidence for the console and the games to live up to. I think this is why PlayStation games coming to PC is always going to be staggered. I, I think Eugene's right. I think the vast majority of games coming to PC are going to land on the two-year mark. I think we might see a couple hit the 18th, 18-month mark, but I just don't think they're... Yeah, I had the PS4 Pro, the Spidey version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't think... I, I don't know. I, I don't... I don't think they're ever going to bump it back. You know? I don't think they're ever going to bump it back. Man, the layout... Layout. I'm Glenn, I'm not sure what you're talking about. You're talking about there's accessibility issues in God of War, the layout? I'm not sure what you mean. The Xbox controller always felt better. Not the original one. The original one was too big. I think three I think the best controller as far as being durable and lasting and having like no issues with I'll tell you what it was. It was the Xbox 360 controller. That thing felt like you could drop it. I know people threw theirs. People get really angry and throw their controllers. I never was a controller thrower, but I, I did drop mine a couple times. It would get like I'd be plugged in to the cable because the you know the batteries would die or whatever, and you know it would get caught on something and get like I'd go to stand up and like the cord would get caught on something and like get yanked out of my hand. And I had like a concrete floor in my basement where I played. That freaking controller, man. It was like the Nokia phone of controllers. It, you you could take that thing 
and brutalize it and it would just keep on ticking <laughs> the xbox 360 controller man it was great yeah it these ones the sad thing about these controllers is i actually think these are great i think the form factor is wonderful they're just all using the same joystick manufacturer so whether you have like a nintendo switch pro controller or a ps4 Five controller or one of these that stick drift is so real I went through so many elites um, it's frustrating it's really frustrating that that's that, I don't know if they're ever going to move away from it the hall effect controllers where there's no friction at all and they uh, you know where there there's basically no stick drift <laughs> there's no chance of it I think I think it'd be great if we could get to a joystick a joystick manufacturer and joystick distributor that can that can help with that, you know, be, let them become the mainstay. I think the problem is, is there's just so many controllers in production. Xbox just seems to, you know, they they feel I feel like they're launching controllers almost like once a month, and they are aesthetically they all look nearly nice, so it makes sense they probably sell at a reasonable amount. I would imagine they do that because they do sell. Um, but the same thing with DualSense, right? They kind of double down with the DualSense Edge. It's like, well, now you have an accessory that's also dependent upon those joysticks. Now, the beauty of the DualSense Edge is you can replace the joystick if it starts to drift on you. But the fact that they won't switch to the to a Hall Effect manufacturer, there might not be one at scale that they can use. You know, that obviously could be playing a role. Like, idealistically, it's like, well, no, we'd love to switch to that style of joystick, but there's, maybe it's that there's not a player on the field yet that can that can make enough of them fast enough. Um, you know, that certainly could be playing a role. I went to off-brand ones because every pad got dripped at some point. The 30 bucks doesn't hurt as bad. They'll go Hall Effect to save the warranty headaches, but not until next-gen when they can buy a hundred million of them deep discount. Right, you need somebody that can make them at scale, right? You know, at scale, so they can use them as, you know, production or whatever. Uh, and once again, it's a shortcut. I don't think it provides full details what you can hear. I know YouTube is pushing more ads on live streams. Yeah. I don't know if you're here in the chat, Ginger. I mean, I'm happy to provide context there. Like, I've watched the Purple Platform for eight years, and I definitely think that's where things are going to go, you know? And I think everybody's misconstruing what I was saying. One feature I hope that PlayStation would copy from Microsoft is a controller design factory. I was kind of hoping PlayStation Direct, oh, like where you can go design your own and pick your own colors. That actually would be pretty sweet. It would be because uh, I'm uh, I'm not a fan of the white. I'm not a fan of the white at all. I like my I like my black c- controller that I have. I like my Spider-Man controller. I like the the God of War controller. It, you know, it's like a two tone. Um, so I was reading on Google about a PlayStation c- control that's stick drift free. Caught a glance. Didn't read more. Price tag was two fifty. Yeah, there's a handful of places now that make them. They're called. It's called Hall Effect. There's a Hall Effect that they use. That's that. That's the term. They basically use magnets um, for frictionless movement. The Hall Effect is the production of a potential difference across an electrical conductor, and it is applied to an applied magnetic field. So they're essentially using 
magnetism so that it's a frictionless joystick. You're not you're not constantly grinding a joystick back and forth across like sensors. It's they're using magnets. So there is no stick drift. The problem is is that you need somebody you need somebody generating enough you need somebody generating enough of them and producing enough of them so that you can use them in your own production lines. Does that make sense? Like, if tomorrow PlayStation was like, we want to switch to that for our DualSense controllers, well, then they need somebody who's making those joysticks to make enough for their production lines. I think that's probably what you're going to run into is that no one's doing that yet. Do you see? It's like, I think it's great. I hope they do it, but sadly, these types of things are slow because a lot of the a lot of the contracts and the deals like we don't know if Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo are they in some kind of contract obligation with the company making those joysticks like can they, you know, if another company comes around and starts to make them at scale, can they then jump to that or are they locked in for so many years? Like I I don't know. I don't know how it works. Though so point would be the point would be that right now they know what the problem is and they do provide warranty so as long as it happens within a certain time the time frame you can get them replaced or repaired um i i don't i can't stand having to deal with that with like warranties and repairs and stuff i'm the guy that'll just like buy another one i'm just irritated you know maybe i'm in the minority but i really hated the n64 controller yeah, I mean the N64 controller was good and it was innovative. It w- you know, they were the first ones to do a joystick um a thumb-sized joystick. Um cuz the the original design was a D-pad to replicate the joysticks from the arcade, but then you could get the 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 joypad with an actual joystick for the original Nintendo with like the big buttons. If that was your preference, like if you came from like an arcade background and that was what you wanted, but the D-pad was just to sort of replicate that. And then they came up with the idea of like, what if there was an actual joystick for your thumb? Now, I don't know. There was one, wasn't there one for the Super Nintendo where you could screw in a joystick into the D-pad? Did that come after or before the Nintendo 64? And was that Nintendo or that was third party? Can't remember. I remember a friend of mine having that. It had like a little socket in the center of the D-pad and you could like screw the joystick in. I never really experienced problems with stick drift, but I did grind an entire PlayStation 3 joystick until it popped off. How in the world do you do that? Happy Spider-Man month, gang. What's good, PK Ziggy? How are you? It was the first one that was actually analog. The joystick things for SNES and NES were made... Press Yeah, you're just pressing basically a button is what you're doing. There was no analog to it. That is true. I have DualSense, uh, two DualSense Edge controllers. It's my favorite controller. I want a design studio so I can put Spider-Man skin on the DualSense Edge. Yeah. I just think their production of, of accessories is just handled differently. Does that make sense? 
Preacher, I'm going to need a thumbnail uh, to handle the debrief. Um, you're looking for this episode. What was the episode where I said that stupid thing that they keep ripping out of context? Uh, da, 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 da. I'm wearing the Star Wars shirt. It's this one. Um. Mm. Uh, there we go. DualSense is the best controller ever. I actually am not a fan of the DualSense Edge with how heavy it is. It's especially terrible if you plug it in. Like, I think part of the problem for me with the DualSense Edge is that the DualSense by itself, to me, is, like, exactly right. It's It's got the right weight. It's got the right feel. I like it as a controller. When I go to the DualSense Edge, the, different in, the difference in weight, it, it was enough of a turnoff that, like, I didn't even want to try the back paddles. I was like, yeah. I bought this to, you know, to tell people about it, to talk about it, like, hey, I got one, I tested it out. And if you have to plug it in, especially because it's got lower battery life, if you have to plug it in, uh, it's awful. It, it, it literally feels like it's leaning forward in your hand. So. <clears throat> Dreamcast had Hall effects? It did? The Dreamcast controller had Hall Effect joysticks? I don't think I've ever heard that. The Dreamcast controller may not have been the best, but I liked it very much. Um, Okay. Mm. Dreamcast had some great games. Yep, in 1998. It was the first to use the tech. I did not know that. I did not know that that was the first controller to do it. It's weird that nobody since then decided to say, hey, we should do what the Dreamcast did with the controller. Um, Another reason Dreamcast was ahead of its time, for sure. Planned obsolescence. I don't think it's planned obsolescence, Orphan Twin. I think it's systemic obsolescence. So systemic obsolescence is when production of the item is at a scale that they use either cheaper uh, cheaper parts or pieces or production or companies. And it creates uh, systemic obsolescence. Um... 
And so I don't necessarily think that we're dealing with planned obsolescence with the controllers. It's possible. It's possible. But I would say it's more of a... of systemic. Because here's the reality. They're all doing it. Like Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony are doing it. If one company was doing it, I think it'd be easier to say, oh, that's planned obsolescence. They're intentionally using an inferior joystick that they know will get stick drift eventually. It, it could literally be as simple as they've been using this, this joystick provider for so long that the joystick provider started cutting corners. They're like, hey, we, everybody's using our joysticks so we can, we can lower costs in these categories and make more of these at lower cost to ourselves, increasing our margins, and then we, we get less quality joysticks so to me it could be systemic obsolescence that's not even in control of Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo they're just like this is how many controllers we need and the joystick provider's like no problem and they're scaling up and as they scale up they have to keep costs down saving 50 cents per stick over 100 million controllers adds up right so again this could literally be on the joystick manufacturer and because they're so endemic to the production of these controllers they hold so much power and sway over that over that particular piece so that seems like a more likely explanation than like oh no microsoft is doing this on purpose they want you to buy another controller or or sony or nintendo they're doing this on purpose because they want you to buy another controller i I don't know. That doesn't seem as 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 uh that seems like a, a a less likely explanation. I'm not trying to like give them the benefit of the doubt. It just seems because you have one provider, I would go to that provider and look at them first. What did you do? Did you make changes? Have you have you have you scaled too 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 far and too wide for good quality control? Um yeah, and it could be as simple as this. People are playing more than they used to. I don't know. I mean, that could be a factor. That could be a factor. Average average consumer use of the controller could be at a higher level. So we're seeing more stick drift. You know, the wear and tear on the joystick itself is is higher than the past. I mean, that could be compounding the existing reality of the joystick provider saying we need to cut costs because we're at such a massive scale now we have the three major players using us you know what I mean what games are you playing I took I, I beat Jedi Survivor I was going to go back and do like completionist stuff or like new game plus stuff uh, I'm playing Phantom Liberty um <laughs> Do do do. Oh, and so yeah. So right now I'm playing Phantom Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have yet to have a controller get drift. It's a wear and tear thing, so it could come down to the games that you're playing. Um, I feel like people who get stick drift are commonly people that are playing games like Call of Duty and Destiny. In my in the circles that I've run in, those are the folks who tend to get it the most. Well, what are you doing? Well, in those games, I wonder if you could have like a data sheet printout the number of times the joystick is forward. Running forward. Sprinting forward. Walking 
forward, 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 forward. It's always forward. Push and forward, push and forward, push and forward, push and forward. Sprint, 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 sprint. It could be that you're playing games that you're not doing that as much as you used to. I don't I don't know. I play both games and I get stick drifts as solemn. I'm hearing very great things about Phantom Liberty everywhere. It's so good. <laughs> like I can't believe how good I like I'm I'm in sort of in disbelief at how much I'm enjoying it. Because I honestly thought I was like, this is gonna be my last strikeout with this game. It's just not gonna hook me, you know. We'll be picking up Alan Wake 2 if it's 30 FPS. It's not. It was designed to be 30 FPS, but it's shipping with performance mode. Why are you starting to drift forward on the left stick, coincidentally? It's that's the thing. Is it's like that's it's that stick. It's for me, it was always that stick. I would walk away. I would walk away from my 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 Xbox and I would come back and my guy would be like slowly walking forward. You know? You know how much Destiny I used to play? So even when you were playing a lot of Destiny, you never got stick drift? If that's true, that's extremely interesting to me. If if you if you've played that long, I'm I'm sorry, if even back then when you were playing a lot, you didn't get stick drift. That's actually pretty interesting cuz that game is very forward forward stick drift. I'm sorry, forward pushing on the on the joystick heavy. Like you're doing that a lot in that game. Guys, in about 10 minutes, we are going to be going to a premiere. Whoops, that's not right. Hang on. We are going to be going to a premiere of... I reacted to Captain Steve's video. He compared uh, He compared the NPCs in No Man's Sky, Starfield, and Cyberpunk. And a lot of people are making the comparisons between Starfield and Cyberpunk. So that's more of what I drilled in on, just to kind of see... Uh, what he was saying and so we're going to be going to that premiere in just a second if you guys get this to 50 I'm going to owe you 10 members in the premiere that's when I gift the members it gives you the maximum amount of time to hit the goal um, talking about uh, Starfield versus Cyberpunk NPC debrief Go. I'm more interested in that in that comparison so that's what I kind of zero in on on his video. And he actually asked me to react to this. I jokingly said, oh, you should make a video comparing the NPCs and then I'll react to it. Um, I would not mind at all getting back into doing reaction videos, especially when it's looked like a peer. And I also don't show you his entire video. I, uh, I don't want to serve as a replacement. So you have to watch... You have to watch his whole video if you want to see everything he has to say. So that's a, that's a different, slightly different style than some of the React meta on the platform is that I kind of give you an incentive to go watch his uh, his entire video. And I'm setting that up right now. My wife needs to wear her controller down and get stripped through all the time. She plays Fortnite, Dead by Daylight, and Fall Guys. Yep, there you go. I mean, those are games where you're constantly holding the joystick forward. I just, I think that's that's a factor. I'm not saying that it's the player's fault. What I'm saying is, is like, that's a factor to consider. Like, maybe you're dodging stick drift because of how you play. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're not playing games that, that focus on, you know, that style of play. That's an interesting concept. I would not mind seeing you doing that with 30 and so on. 
Yeah, I like the idea. I like the idea of um, of 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 doing m- reaction content that is um sort of intentionally within like a a peer circle. So it's like, hey, this is somebody that that, that, that appreciates me doing this. Make sure and go watch their whole video. Um, and so that's that's a very different approach uh, to reaction content. And I like reaction content because. It does, I'll be straight up with you, it saves me a little bit of time. Like, I don't have to write, like, I have to write a separate monologue sometimes to do, uh, to do an upload. So it does, it does save me a teeny bit of time. And it's also fun. Like, I think it's just fun to take somebody else's video and, you know, engage with it and give, you know, give my own thoughts. And I think people tend to like it. Um, so I think there's, there's something to be said for reaction, uh, content, you know, if you're, if you're if you're watching that kind of content, you know you like to see people sort of interact with others' thoughts. Content you can't cover, but they covered, uh, and you'd want to give your side or add to the video. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know you. Uh, you don't have to keep the left stick pressed once you press trigger to run. I think that's another potential thing that folks are doing. Is they're like holding the stick in. You know, they're like pushing down on it to like, like, it's almost like they think that you need that to run or whatever, um, which, which isn't the case, but yeah, you just press it once and then you hold forward. Now, I got stick drift, Eugene, and I was what I would call a habitual stick clicker, right? Hey, angry Pete says, come on, y'all four more to 50. Let's do this. And he bumps the line to 47. Thank you so much. You know that uh, that that bit from the Chappelle show, right? He was a habitual line crosser. I, I'm, I was a habitual stick clicker. I was always clicking that stick, right? I would click it and click it and click it and click it and click it. Like you almost feel like you have to click it to keep running. Um, and so I think that's probably why mine were why I was getting uh, stick drift because I was you know I was admittedly kind of hard on the controllers for that for that reason. Um, I think they should anticipate that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a controller. You're going to be pushing the buttons and mashing the buttons, and there's adrenaline coursing through your veins sometimes. So you're going to be like, oh, and you're going to flip the, you know, flip the stick really, really hard or whatever. I mean, pause. You know, you're you're definitely going to have some of those games. Mm. Hang on, Arfield. Captain Steve. Oh my goodness, a 20 bomb from Mayhem. He's like, I'm going to bring some mayhem to the table. That's an Agents of Chaos as well, because you blasted past where we just were. If you guys are going to hit some of these big goals, we're going to have to have some big days in October. If you want Fright Night, we need a, we, we're at like 2,000 members, which is amazing. But Fright Night's at 3,000 members. We got to get there. That's our first goal. We got goals beyond that. We always have multiple goals for you guys every month. We've had some amazing months in the past where we've done every single goal, every single milestone. You guys are amazing. So continue to support the channel as best you can. Even if it's just hitting subscribe and like, that will put you in contention for those gifted memberships. And it does support 
the video. You do not have to become a member. You don't have to gift members to support the channel. You can support the channel just by being here. Um, Phantom. Oh, Phantom. Like a trending thumb or tag in Um, Good job, Mayhem. That's crazy. Alan Wake 2 live stream. I will be checking out Alan Wake. Yes. I'll be checking out Assassin's Creed Mirage. Yes. Spider-Man. Yes. Um, yeah. This this month alone, the, most of the titles that are, that are... I think every title that's coming out, I'll be checking out. Lords of the Fallen. Um, Star Wars. Not Star Wars. Uh, Lords of the Fallen. Spider-Man. AC Mirage. Alan Wake. Uh, I saved an image that had like all of the big titles. Let me see who am I forgetting. Sonic Superstars, I will probably be checking out. Super Mario Brothers Wonder, I will be checking out. I bet you I'll, I'll, I'll probably want to check out the Hellboy game, right? I'm not a I'm not a driving I'm not a car guy, so I don't think Forza, Forza Motorsport would be worth checking out. Hey, somebody ordered some coffee, uh, a bag of light roast to somebody whose first name starts with the letter B. I can't, I, I don't want to give out your full name, but thank you for ordering. You, if you put your username in that username field, I'll know who to thank for the coffee order. Thank you so much. Any good horror games coming besides Alan Wake? Um, There's another one, isn't there? I thought there was another one coming. I can't think of what it is. Do we think Hellblades 2023? I think you meant to put 2024. Um... Broketober is here. Ain't that the truth? Ain't many Christmas. In four minutes, guys, in four minutes, I'm going to redirect you. I'll also put a link in the chat. We're going to go to a video. I'm reacting to Captain Steve. He compares Starfield and Cyberpunk and No Man's Sky, all their NPCs. And I think it's I think it's actually a really good comparison video. Um, it's very laid back. He just kind of goes to a couple of vids and just kind of talks through it. And he has a little, he has like a PowerPoint presentation that he came up with. And so we're going to look at that together. Uh, that'll be a premiere that goes live in three minutes. You guys got us to 67 members on the day. So now I owe you 10 members. I'm going to gift those 10 members during the premiere. That gives you the opportunity to get this as high as you possibly can. Eight more members. And I'll owe you more than 10. I'll owe you 15. We always like to pay it forward to the generosity here. So thank you everybody who has been gifting members. And then to those of you who receive those gifted members, you get to come to all of the content. You get to come to all the members-only content, except for the writer's room. That is something at the end of the day that we added. It's a whole new segment at the end of the day where we plan the next day. You do need to be member plus for that. That's that's something that we just started doing a couple of weeks ago. In addition to, we do a live show every day that's totally free. Then we do an upload or sometimes a second live stream. And then we do two more things after that uh, for members. Metal Gear Collection. That's this month? How do you plan on dealing with spoilers? In what? Listen, man, most of the games I'm going to be playing, I'm going to play on their launch date, and that's that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't go the distance with games on stream. It's not worth it. We're not really known for that. We're known for hanging out and doing a talk show. So it makes more sense to say, let's, let's play the game on the launch date, and then I'll give you my thoughts on it maybe the next day. I usually do a review roundup when the review embargo drops and then I play the game sometimes if I think it's worth it I'll do a first impressions my first impressions and my review roundups are always spoiler free um so yeah 
Lords of the Fallen video dropped on PlayStation channel. It looks amazing. I keep telling folks, don't sleep on Lords of the Fallen, man. That thing's going to sneak up onto the Game of the Year podium. I don't think it's going to win, but I think it's going to... I think it might edge itself into the nominations. I think it might. Alright, guys. Let's head over to this premiere. When we get over there, I'll give the 10 members that I owe you. You guys are the absolute best. I'm really curious what you think of Captain Steve's video. So, I'm going to put a link in chat. You guys can head over. Make sure... Smash the like button on this live stream. Uh, we, we could easily hit 400 likes. I guarantee you there's like 60 of you that haven't hit like yet. And you can do that on the way out. Do the same thing on that premiere when you get over there. Smash that like button. I'll be over there in chat talking with you. And then when that video is over, we'll be in a members-only debrief. I'll see you over there in the chat.